Hello and welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. My name is Josh, amateur radio call sign KI6NAZ. And I'm Leah, KN6NWZ. And we like to talk about ham radio, among other things. Come along with us, won't you? Mostly other things. <laughs> How's it going, Leah? How are you this week? Good. We did a game night with the kids where we played this card game called Sleeping Queens. It was great. It was a great game. Edison we, took to it. He's five, and he was like, good to go. Well, we had not, to not good to go. He needed bit. to show his cards. They both needed but to show But he started figuring cards. out the mechanics. There's, yes. a, there's a math mechanic, which I thought was a really nice thing to do for the discard cycle. And there are counters to... Taking you, you love games, though. You love strategic I love, board games and love card them. games. Lo- anything so. where I can figure out the angle to just just destroy everybody, that's like my And this my is a deep jam. screw you game. You got to come out the gate trying to screw everybody Yeah, you else. can't. It, the game is about flipping over these cards that are queens, and you have to accumulate queens. Queens have different points values. Um, and you pretty much have to cull other people's queens like right out of the gate because you can get to 50 50 very quickly yeah 50 points is the is the winner so but what's interesting is highly recommended it really highlighted the personalities of our kids yes because ben was very hesitant he didn't want to screw screw anybody anybody over over. he only wanted to play like the 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 nice way right yes he went after trying to collect his queens by himself using that mechanic right he did not want to like steal anybody with the knight Right. The Knigget, if you will. Uh, and Edison, he immediately is like, I wanna I wanna use this to get somebody. And he was not discriminating no. about how he was gonna go. He was after. he was coming after Queens. Yes. He was the queen taker. Anyway, good game. We'll yes. we'll put the link in the description. If so it, it worked with our five year old, but I can see this being a fun game for kids of a variety of ages. Probably oh, up to this like would 10. Be a, this would be a fun game for adults, actually. A fun drinking game because there's a math element. Oh. Yes. <laughs> it, it's not that. Like, it's not a, it's not, I wouldn't call this a, a, an educational game. There is a portion that you can sure. technically get an extra discard um, if, you, if you do some a, a simple addition. Anyway. But again, this is the Ham Radio Crash Course. We thank you so much for coming out. We like to kick off the Ham Radio Crash Course with the Ham Radio Minute. Never a minute. Today, I'm going to talk about, you know, it's kind of ham radio adjacent. It's not really the, the Ham Radio Minute. I want to talk about one of my favorite pieces of portable kit when I go out uh, in a field. This is a piece of kit that I take when I know there's not going to be like a picnic bench or something that I can set up comfortably and, and operate. I have a foldable backpack camping chair. There are a myriad of these on the market now, and they're all like sub one pound. They fold up super, super small, and I believe they have like a maximum weight of, some of them go all the way up to like 300 pounds, but I think that 250 is about the relative, and they are fantastic to carry. Is this a chair that looks really scary to sit in? Yes, it's the one that's like super rickety looking, but it's yes. it's, it's very secure. It's very secure. So it's a Helinox uh, Ultralight or Featherlight or something like that. And there are Chinese knockoffs of this chair that you can find on Amazon. Again, we'll drop the link in the description if, if you guys want to check it out. I love this chair. It's great for I around the camp. I am not feeling so now, positive I, about I will, this chair. <laughs> I will preface this by saying 
yes, it can be kind of rickety, and you could potentially break this chair. No question. But <laughs> resounding review. But it Josh. weighs a pound. It weighs a pound. I would rather pack no chair and you're, sit on the ground than sit on a chair a that back, looks like I would get hurt in it. After a day of backpacking and you show up at camp and you're like, well, where do I sit? There's nowhere to sit. You will absolutely love the one pound you spent to pack this chair in. It is awesome. I'll have to take your word for they it. They also make uh, a small table that kind of goes along with it that I've also used. And uh, that's good. It, is it that does the one that rolls out? Yeah, it rolls out and the kids broke it at the yes. beach. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was, that was great. They were trying Solid. to stand on it or something? No, no. I don't think they were trying to stand on it. I think it just broke in regular table use. I'm not... <laughs> I don't know that there are I'm not sure that I don't like I don't know that I like any of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why it's my favorite one of my favorite portable items. Fair enough. And it's great when you go doing a soda activation or, you know, a lot of times with Poda you can get yourself on a park bench. So that usually works out pretty well. But for soda, it's great. It's it's really nice. Particularly if you if you're doing an overnight backpacking trip and you're gonna be proper out in the boonies. There's not gonna be, you know, a manicured campsite you're going to be literally packing in packing out and you just expect to be on your own it's nice to have that little bit of uh, comfort when you're out there so i'd like to know what adam k6 ark packs that's he is he probably builds a chair when he gets there he probably (laughs) packs a wood lathe uh carries the wood lathe out and then i imagine he carries enough beers to, to make table throne. legs. Yes, yes. Very good. Very and good. then he fells a, ch- a, a tree. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and then mills it out there. <laughs> he got a, yeah, he brought a wood miser with him. Yes. He just drags it, drags yeah. his wood miser. Do you remember Dave has a wood miser? Do you remember yeah. that? You, pl- you made that a... That bandsaw, that super dangerous bandsaw. Yes. That for, oh, that's so cool. You milled a ton of your wood shelves My for your office. My wood shelves are all hand milled. Uh, yeah. It is super cool. Anyway, that's the Ham Radio Minute. So again, thanks so much for listening. Today, we have a very special beverage. Yes. We got some beers, and Leah, you've got the, the letter there. I think you just read the letter. It's pretty short, even though this is out of cycle with our normal sure. mail correspondence. But I can't tell you how excited I am at this lineup because this is awesome. not an IPA to be seen, <laughs> and it is very clear that I believe this is BR. Is that B or I don't BR? know. So that I think there's it's a BR. signature. Well, there's a call sign. There's I'm call assuming. Sign. So if you just give me the call sign, I figure I can look it up. I think that's N two S N F. Okay. Is that correct? Okay, I'll I'll read it while you're looking it up. Okay. Josh and Leia, not all bad things come on a crazy piece of torn out notebook paper, <laughs> <laughs> and this is a torn out notebook. paper. For sure. Mm, Brian torn out. It's uh, Brian, by the way, is the name. So Yes, perfect. Brian. This is from Brian. But he said BR, so why don't you just go with Okay. Enjoy the beer. I hope it pairs well with Balut. You know what? We're definitely gonna save one of these for Balut time. Not tonight, let me just tell you. Not tonight. (laughs) Best wishes and seventy three BR N two S N F. All right. So I have to describe these beers because the first one is called Dragon's Milk White. It's a bourbon barrel aged white stout. I love white stouts. They're great. This is very good. I don't know that I've had a bad white stout. And I think it's a beer that breweries only take on when they know exactly what they're doing. 
Uh, yes, because I feel like this uncovers many nasties that can be that come out in the the brewing process. It has a spicy character to it, and it has it's it's bourbon barrel aged, but you get really none of that syrupy bourbony taste that you do. It's it's so well t- balanced and it. drinkable. And we're talking you know? about the white stout right now again. Yeah, it's it's got everything that you like in a beer with nothing. Yeah, it's really that, good. You know, sometimes when you drink an IPA, you you have to deal with the hoppiness. Mm-hmm. Or and you said what it was, right? Where it came from? Yes. Okay. Oh, I didn't say the brewery. Dragon's Milk White, and this is from oh, it's dragonmilk.com. Okay. So Dragon's Milk is the name of the, okay. the brewery, and we also have another one. So Leia and I each open one of these, basically, and then we kind of share. This is the Sleepy Dog Brewing Wet Snout Peanut Butter Stout. This, I thought, would be a lot like what we have down here, which is called Belching Beaver. Yes. It is, I think, better. I think it is a, there's a chocolatey component to it. The moment you it open so this, peanut butter. it smelled so much like peanut butter. peanut butter. It's very good. If you like peanut butter, you will absolutely love this. The nose on this is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's almost like smelling a Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, it's it's crazy good. Uh, th- these are these are both really really good. And he sent us uh, another set of beers, another two. It's called Around the Bend Beer Co. This is the Vera Pistachio Cream Ale. I'm very excited. I'm about very that. excited, and there is a plague doctor on the the front of it. Even more with excited a, now, <laughs> uh, like a, a lady's straw hat with a ribbon and some flowers on it. This is just awesome, super cool. So, br, so nice of you. Thank you so much for Thank doing you. that. Thank you. It's a big, uh, a Made big cheers our week. from us. We'll do the cheers. Cheers. Here. Make it loud. Made our there. week. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you so much. And this, the peanut butter stout, is definitely better than the. I think so. And I'm a big fan of the Belching Beaver, but this is very good. I I like um, how lightly carbonated it is. I I love the nose on it. (laughs) You like things that are not too sweet, not too carbonated. No, I like certain things. There's a right amount of carbonation for for each kind of flavor profile. Sure. Stouts, generally, I like a little less carbonated, too. But I think that White Stout's a winner. So, hey, that uh, that is fantastic. So thank you so much for... For sending those our way, we really do appreciate it. I really appreciate that yeah. it's it's all stouts, all stouts really. all the time. I mean, that's that's how we generally roll uh, if we can. But we definitely well, live you in an like area. IPAs. I do, but we are in a stout drought right now. Like yeah. there are far <laughs> less stouts than there than I think there should be. I definitely like to. That's why mix you have to up. vote with your dollars. Well, you you can't yeah. if there's no stout. <laughs> Right, so it, like I'll go into places that I I know have had stouts before, and I buy the stouts, mm-hmm. and then I'll go back, and they don't have any more stouts, and so I'm like, "What are you doing?" And nobody buys them. I'm like, "Okay, well, shoot." So I guess I'm not shopping here anymore. Wow, that's mean. You could just say, "Could you order some stouts, and I will buy them?" Well, but I'm not drinking that much to facilitate sure. a whole section of beer. You know what I mean? Like, fair a, enough. A, you know, he's probably going to put some more tonic water with alcohol in it right? all the Another, trulies all the trulies all the and the trulies, white cloth <laughs> right and now the um what's the what's the like mexican spring water that we get out here uh topo chico yeah they have their own line now topo chico's doing their own spiked uh seltzer water you know what's really upsetting to me is that it actually takes 
so much talent to brew a good beer. And yeah. I, I know we have a lot of uh, brewmasters that are in the HRCC community. Um, Matt. Matt. Quince yeah. is one of them, right? And it actually takes a good amount of talent to make a good beer. And now that the trend has moved over to this hard seltzer, <laughs> it's like everybody, you realize it's just vodka club soda, right? <laughs> it's not that, though. I mean, it, it, it is a... Vodka club soda with... It is a brewed alcohol that they're putting in. It's, aromatics. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we... When you could have the flavor sensations coming out of breweries. That's a good question. It, it doesn't have hard alcohol in it, right? Do they? But it's clear, so it must. It must be a spirit. That's good. I, I don't know. I'm it sure might be a malt knows. beverage. Who knows? It's. It's. I'm. I'm thinking that's what it is. But anyway, thanks again for listening. And uh, this is where we flip over to the reviews on the iTunes. Again, thanks for joining us on the conversation by leaving a review on iTunes for the Ham Radio Crash Course. The link's in the description. But obviously, if you're already on iTunes and you haven't already, we would appreciate dropping that five stars and giving us a review. And or you can email Leia at hamtactical.com, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and it will help the Ham Radio Crash Course reach more hams and future hams, and we appreciate it. As Thank always, you so much. In your email to Leia, if you want to drop some merch ideas, we do take your merch ideas, and if we do make a merch out of them, you will get one of the first ones. And as always, we, we do love the Ham Radio questions as well. We did get a lot of those last week. We really appreciate that. We got one review over on iTunes. Fantastico. Short and sweet. It's Radio God. He's talking wow. about you. He's talking about you, Leah. This is by uh, highly Sebo Brocks. <laughs> and it just says super knowledgeable and very entertaining. So thank you. I really do appreciate that. We super appreciate the podcast reviews. We know it is much harder to do an iTunes review for those of you that don't iTunes, but it really does help the podcast out. So if you are interested, that would be great for us. Okay. So moving on, want to mention, this is kind of our like affiliate link section of the show. We just want to sh- give a shout out to our Patreon, the Ham Radio Crash Course Patreon. If you were ever considering supporting us doing the podcast, uh, the YouTube videos, anything like that, the Patreon starts at a dollar, and or sorry, $2. And that gets you access to the monthly newsletter that mm-hmm. is only for patrons. There's a $5 level for the brew crew, which is specifically for my beer reviews that go out. And I I have another set of beer reviews coming out. So thanks for waiting and hold on to your hats because we have a lot of beers that we reviewed on the podcast and then on the live streams. So those will be going out. And then the last tier is our producer level. And that's the level that gets a sticker, a QSL card, and then gets to vote on the patron picks episode. And the patron picks episode is always the first hrcc stream of the month which is tomorrow may tomorrow. 1st uh is it may 1st yes. no no sorry tomorrow saturday yeah t- tomorrow when the podcast yes. posts saturday it's about arden i got a ton of requests to do a video on arden and i used to have an arden antenna on the roof that leia didn't know about because it's a super low profile antenna those nodes that i connected to went down so I've no longer been able to connect to those nodes. I've been off of the Arden scene for a little while. However, there's a new antenna that I, I, I'm really banking on this showing up that uh, will allow me to reach out 40 kilometers, 5Gs, 
over 40 kilometers to make a connection to a repeater site that has a robust uh, setup for Arden. Very excited. Very Fingers excited. crossed, huh? Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling the <laughs> dice. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, for everybody that's listening, I'll tell you how many times I have, like, rolled the dice on stuff. Like, I just hope this works. Like, with stream equipment, like, I, I want an extra camera. Boy, I hope this works. Uh, I want to do an audio thing. Boy, I hope this works. And I think people like it sometimes when it doesn't work. So <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, I mean, on it'll, Saturday, it'll work until it hits the live stream because that's the added element, right? Oh, it'll, it's, it, it's, it's, it's like a, it's crazy. It's like a car race. Like people <laughs> go to a car race, but it's about ham radio and people are just waiting for something to break. And then just watch me go like, oh no. And it's, it's always a lot of fun. It is part of the fun, though. I do the have fun. The is strong. It is, it is. But I always <laughs> have a lot of fun working through it. I don't know why. I like being put under that pressure. Sure. It does, it, it, it does get you a little bit at night, though. You wake up cold sweats, thinking about that, that one stream that went wrong. Really? No. <laughs> no. <just laughs> Not at all. I think you just have a lot of fun with it. I do. And that's, I think, the only way that you could be at all crazy enough to do it week after week is if you just went like hey at some point you did the best you could buddy yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah if, if you if you want to support the podcast that's probably the best way to do it at this point among checking out the amazon links as well and they'll be in the description so thanks we do appreciate it that means it's time alaya what is your preparedness corner this week For this week's preparedness corner, I originally wanted to talk about fire safety inside the house. Mm. But then I got really hot on the topic of food preps, right? And a part of that is that I was looking through the 31 Days to Survival, which is a great book. You actually bought the book when we first uh, bought our house. That was my trick to get you into the prepper that is so ironic because my family literally has survival experience literally with nothing with a with a boy scout nothing with a boy scout swiss army knife no foods no preps like get off of this boat and survive on a deserted island where dudes pay thousands of dollars to get taken out into the woods and surviving your parents are like yolo <laughs> let's go live in a malaysian island so for Beats for anybody war. who uh is not familiar with my family's story we are chinese um we were among the early group that escaped from china when the communists came in so during that revolution time this is and, pre-vietnam war right and moved into uh, Vietnam, because there's actually a large Cantonese settlement in Vietnam. It's, it's this is South Vietnam, yeah, by the way we're talking ge- right? Geographically, they're mm-hmm. actually fairly close, and mm-hmm. there were lots of... Uh, before those border lines were drawn... North and South border lines you're talking about? No, or? the border lines between China and Vietnam, because oh, you know, for oh, right. a while they were in flux. Right. So then when those are drawn, you're almost like, well, oh, there's actually Chinese people over Let's here. Let's get farther away from yeah. this. <laughs> so uh, then my family goes to Vietnam, having uh, had a lot taken away from them in sure. China when the when communists came in. When any you pick up and leave, you can't carry everything with you, right? Right. You know, how many assets can you hold? Yeah. And... Then the communists came to Vietnam. Yeah, and hey, they, surprise. Knock, knock. Who's they there? They left again. But the communists. 
to escape mm-hmm. and they they had to try multiple times like they were arrested you ran and your family back. ran out of land to run away to yeah <laughs> the only way out was a boat uh and they ended up uh in Malaysia, a lot of a lot of refugees during this time. And to be specific, this is a basically deserted tropical island. It is that deserted. Is a part of Malaysia. It's not like Malaysia proper, and they were just like outside of town, like right alone. And actually, that that area ended up being UN supported. Eventually, right. And if you if you study what happened with Vietnam refugees um, at all, mm-hmm. uh, you'll see that. In this area of Malaysia, it's deserted again. There, there are actually YouTube videos of people who go back to right. like uh, a going to back look, to yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there are videos from the seventies of what that area looked like, and it was just jam packed full of people because that's where you ended up. I mean, right. the, there were pirates back then. There were all kinds of crazy things. Anyways, so my family. Uh, were among the earlier ones, Mm -hmm. right? And it wasn't my whole family. It was my parents. They were the oldest ones. And then they took their younger siblings, the ones that were actually old enough to go. So they are young adults themselves. But I mean, put that into perspective. How old were these kids? Your mom was like They were teenagers. Literally teenagers. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Teenagers with a pocket knife amongst all of them. And my parents had gotten married just before they left because my grandparents told my mom, you're not leaving with somebody unless you're married to them. And so they got they got married and they ended up having to sell their wedding rings. To get was, out of prison. No. Yeah, that's what they said. When no, they, they got. No. That's what your mom told me. No, they they had to get out of prison, but they sold their <laughs> oh, wedding. Okay, my bad. They sold their wedding rings for a handful of tools, and it included like black trash bags. That's a and, tool. That's a serv- that's a prepper tool. Right, because they had to collect water. Right. Yeah. Uh, but one of the interesting things was the food situation because yes. the UN did provide food, but it was always kind of the same thing. It was rice, beans, right. and some, some kind canned of rations. Yeah, canned food meat, options. potted meat. Yeah. And to this day, actually, my mom is a total food hoarder. You, you, her yeah. pantry is just anything she could possibly want. She has at least a couple. It's a corollary to like during the Depression, like people that survived right. out of the Depression. Yeah. Same kind of mentality in, in, in some ways. Some ways are different, but sure. Yeah. So it's always things that she knows that she'll want to cook eventually. But it's this mentality that she can't just buy one can of something. Right, right, right. She needs to buy multiple cans of it. Right. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No. I mean, in fact, that's what that book recommends you do, right? Is that right. you, when you go to the market and buy a can of something you know you will eat, right. you buy a couple extra cans. Right. And then you start a, I'm assuming you're getting to a can rotation system. Right. So that's that's one of the things we're looking at right now is to figure out how to do a can rotation. And to be specific, we have a can rotation system of cans we use, but you're talking about a more constructed Something, device, right, a right. device to help So with I'm that. pulling the oldest without having to think about it. Correct. And I'm feeding the newest in the top. If only spam came in round cans, right? Yeah. <laughs> but what, uh, so of the things that they had, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And this is actually kind of interesting because at a certain point they were sick of what they had. And then the Malaysians got smart and they realized that they could trade very cheaply for these right. rice and canned goods. Or like a tarp that was an extra, an absorbent amount of money yes. from what your mom would told me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But if, to do that, the refugees in Malaysia had to swim out to these boats and they had to swim out with black trash bags to make sure that whatever they were bringing back was waterproofed or not seen by other people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I want to say that they, they traded a certain amount. Right. But then they, then they just stole for everything else. No. (laughs) And the rice was fine because that's that's a food staple. Sure. They ended up taking the beans that they were given and growing sprouts. Oh, okay. Right. And then I think at one point they traded for a chicken. Oh, to get eggs? I I don't know. But they were also given vitamins. So what they and they weren't always taking them. Mm-hmm. So they ended up just feeding the vitamins to the oh chicken. My God. And the chicken was this the This is super the first Saki Farms chicken. <laughs> just this scrawny chicken but that's all that it was and then the chicken grew in health i don't know what happened to the chicken oh, my parents are not being yeah. forthright Same about thing what happened to the goat <laughs> but i would say actually rice beans of course mm-hmm. but uh there's this 72 hour two weeks one month and one year right those are goal markers Right. right. So at minimum today, go out and make sure you have 72 hours worth of food and ideally something that doesn't require uh, gas or electricity for you to eat. So both shelf stable and technically you can open a can and just eat it, right? Because right. that food is cooked. It's just not the way you'd necessarily want to eat it. Right. If it's cooked, you can eat it. Yeah. And then at the two week mark, uh, because you can get a 72-hour food bucket. It's not ideal. And I, I would caution people with that. There are a ton of videos that do this. They break down those 72-hour buckets, and they do like kind of a blind taste test. That food is often not very good. It's ready-wise. Ready-wise, yeah. yeah. And among some others. I, I would I would offer, if you are interested, if you had the money to do this, backpackers pantry and anything that's of the backpacker market is going to be a much better dehydrated meal taste wise I don't if you have even... picky eaters you might want to stack up a couple of those and then have a ready wise maybe you mix them up or something i don't know but just keep that in mind so for me i don't think that a dehydrated meal is the 72 hour food i think that if you keep your pantry sure stocked sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. with can't like well, ready you mentioned to the eat tub. canned that's why, food that's yeah. why i mentioned it because that's mostly dehydrated stuff and, and that i think would go into like maybe the two week mark or one month mark your get out bag or your yeah real bad situation whatever you know kit but long term you, you've got to think about what you could potentially trade right uh you've got to think about what you would genuinely enjoy eating because then you've got this mental aspect of the food. It's not something you want to suffer through, mm-hmm. right? So the food has to be a comfort the way that fire is a comfort. <laughs> okay, sure. 
You know, and I, I know that sounds counterintuitive, because when you talk about survivalist, and if if you're hungry enough, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what one of our basic needs is food and not just for energy. It's actually for for mental health. Right, right, right. right? Yeah. And you don't want every meal to feel like a punishment. So I think when people are putting together their preps, they need to think about that. You could easily go just rice and beans, but how long are you going to go <laughs> rice and beans yes. until you're miserable? Right. You, you should mix it up some. So uh, my advice is to figure out what you're going to be okay eating 72 hours, not just you. I mean, for me, it's the kids, right? The kids aren't going to understand you have no other option for food. Right, right, yeah. It's going to be, well, what will my kids be willing to eat if I can't in 72 hours, mm-hmm. right? If I if I don't have any option for um, for gas or electricity, what could I cook on like a little burner or... Like a canister, no. What can you warm up on right. a canister, no? Or on a grill, I guess, because yeah. you, you know, have charcoal and wood or whatever. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you for that uh, little... It wasn't even little this time. <laughs> well, it's a little, yeah. little background on your family, too, which is a fascinating story for me. I always love those stories because I, I, I learn a lot from, like, hearing... You're talking about people that actually lived through it. And the thing is, my, my parents were, my mom especially, grew up with maids. Right. So she didn't know I, how to cook. That's an extremely good point. These are not people that were, like, in the rice patties. Yeah. Right? These are people that lived a comfortable life in Vietnam. And and my mom always talks about how she wished that she was able to be a scout because scouting is huge in Vietnam, actually. Mm-hmm. And then once you get into college, which she did, they do have to take military-type courses. But that's like how to shoot an AK-47, she right, told me. Right. And I was like, dude, your mom's badass. But in terms of survival, there mm-hmm. was nothing. One of the things she had to do when she was learning, uh, like planning to leave, she had to learn how to cook, which right. is amazing because she's I, an amazing it, cook it's now. Insane. The yeah. idea that she didn't know how to cook. What's this all about? Right. <laughs> and I, I mean, my parents are great now. You know, they right. they they are the definition of the American dream to me. Right. Having come over here with nothing and achieved, you know financial stability and wealth Mm -hmm. so um by really working so hard harder than everyone around them or almost everybody around them for sure they're hard working people yeah my dad would work from the moment he woke up to when he went to sleep at night yeah just they used to flip cars in the 80s right because that in addition to my dad biking to a a low-paying job was the only way they could bank money very quickly. Right. right? They were flipping cars before flipping houses was like Right, exactly. So it's pretty amazing. I um, agree. If, I, if anybody I wants to hear more, I'm always happy to share because I'm so proud of my parents. We, there, there are more stories about that Malaysian island that are just... And the fi- I was born better. in a refugee camp in the Philippines. Yes, you were. So there were uh, there are more stories of also the Philippines. <laughs> I grew up eating balut. And my parents coming to America was a non negotiable. People coming out of these refugee camps had the option to go to many other countries: Germany, Canada. Those were all first Australia. line Australia before the United States. And your parents were like, "Nope, we're going to America." They could have left earlier, and yep. they said, "No, nope, we're." That's we're going to hold it out. That's exactly the type of people you want. 
Yeah. I mean, it, any country, right? That mentality is just, I'm, I'm oh, always and my parents so are impressed. so patriotic. Actually, oh, yeah. They are, they're always talking about how this was the only country they could come to that, um, regardless of what, what would happen in terms of racism or anything like that, that they would have economic freedom that no other country afforded. Right. They, right? Were, they felt that they were capable, like their ability to make it was entirely in their hands. Yes. Versus some other thing. Yeah. Government, society, mm-hmm. whatever. So, yeah, good. That's good. Good segment. Yeah. All good right. Job. <laughs> All right. Then that means it's time for Leia's Correspondence Tower. I yes. need like a lightning bolt. Our email correspondence lightning tower. A lightning crack as we go into this. Okay. So this first email is from uh, Thomas. And Thomas r- writes in about a bag he carries. It's a haversack Duluth pack. Mm-hmm. And I think we were talking about uh, bags to carry on your person. Uh, sure. When we were talking about the conceal carry bags. Mm-hmm. So Thomas suggests uh, that he says this bag is, this is the bag I carry. It's very handy, not too big, not too small. And it, and I'll drop this in the link in the show notes. Uh, but it's actually a very nice looking bag. It looks like um, a saddle bag. I'm going to show it to Josh because he is also a big fan of bags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good looking bag. So thank you for that suggestion, Thomas. I'm going to check that out. The haversack is one of the favorite pieces of kit of Dave Han- uh, Dave Canterbury. Oh. who's a, He's been on YouTube for a long, long time. He had a TV show at one time. And right. haversack. His haversack was more... Uh, natural like rough um, canvas type of thing um, and he had a variety of survival gear that he would keep in it cool. whenever i hear haversack i think of the dave canterbury yeah uh, thomas signs off 73 ad 6 tw thank you the next email is from bill and this is about seedling lights we have been talking about <laughs> seedlings for quite a bit of time and I think I might need to go that way next year to start seedlings. I think the lights are the most controlled environment. Uh, Whichever with soil. has the, the most RFI, right? That's going to be that the is the goal. In. I'm actually going to try to find a touch seedling lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Bill says, hey, guys, I've been listening to your show for quite a while, and I know that Leia really enjoys her gardening. So I wanted to share my experience. Attached, you will find my setup, really simple, 6,500 Kelvin LED direct wire bulbs, cardboard walls covered in aluminum foil, and an Arduino-controlled heat source. The bulbs you can buy at the hardware store, and they are standard daylight bulbs. The red bulb, uh, he's got a line of red bulbs, he says, are left over from last year. Uh, They are flowering bulbs, but didn't work very well for vegetative growth. Hmm. I didn't realize you could swap out bulbs for different purposes. So thank you for that tip. You probably had tip. a timer that would switch or something like that. The Arduino uh, heat control has a thermometer, I believe, an AHT11 connected to a 110-volt relay, which turns a blow dryer on and off. 
That's <laughs> that's ingenious. That's ingenious. That's pretty smart. The heat source really is not necessary for most applications, but mine is in my basement and it's a little cooler than hot peppers want to germinate. In your last episode, Josh mentioned RFI. I have to wonder, does he not realize you can turn the lights off when you're operating? <laughs> Love you both. 73, Bill, N-O-W-W-A. That's literally what I do when I want to operate. I go around the house and flip off like five (laughs) different power sources to try and bring down the RFI. I'm pretty sure you switched off uh, something in my office. I did. Recently. And I had all of these things I plugged into charge and I walked away. Mm. And when I came back, nothing was charged and I was so upset. (laughs) no so warning that's you yeah. know that's that's the problem that's, my seedlings will die because <laughs> i won't turn it back on <laughs> thank you bill for that education i appreciate it the next email is titled hrcc podcast and this is from nosaj hi all i really enjoy your show but many of my commutes are short half an hour or less this is when i can find time for podcasts is there a way to bookmark when you guys start on the topic or podcast with just the meat and potatoes of the show also i just got the mcom 2 based on josh's review and waiting to test it out cool thanks for all you guys do massage n1 ebc i have been trying to put in the markers for <laughs> the email and the topic okay because i figured you can just listen to the beginning for the for the ham radio minute sure right but i have to say that one of the reasons that i the email correspondence corner is so important is because there are such great questions asked but also really great suggestions yeah and it i mean if you only want ham radio yeah i mean there's the you can go to the the option at the end there but at the same time there are a ton of questions we get that you know we don't know they're coming right so when we get them it's like they're, good stuff yeah generally it's like a brain trust an hrcc yeah. brain trust right <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, Nasaj actually clarifies. Nasaj is because I felt like I was going backwards in tech, going from computers to guitar tube amps and now ham radio. Mm. I believe that his name is Jason. <laughs> it's not Nasaj. Okay, I get it. Very good. <laughs> Thank you so much for the email. Uh, Josh will try, but one of the difficulties is we record this at uh, once a week, late at <laughs> night, and... We're we're already short on sleep, so by the time yes. we finished recording, the post production actually has to be as fast as possible for the to sake sleep. of Josh's sanity. <laughs> so he will do what he can. Yeah, I mean, to date, yeah. I mean, this week though, I tried to get to bed much earlier than I normally do, and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Great, great. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Okay, the next email is titled Greenland Was Good. And this is from Dennis. Oh, is this the the movie? Yes, and this is Dennis of, I believe, Hamdom Thoughts. Uh, What's the call AD6DM, right? Yes, yes. Hamdom Thoughts. If you haven't checked out Dennis's podcast... Please do. Yeah. Great stuff. Very good stuff. The... The email starts, Howdy, Leia, an HRCC podcast assistant intern. 
You are now an assistant to an intern. Who's the intern? Maybe it's Charlotte. Oh, maybe Charlotte. <laughs> She's the only other one awake right now. And where is Charlotte? <laughs> well, she left you to do her job. I see. Wow. Yes. <laughs> wow. A little, little on-the-job training for me today. Uh, Dennis says, thank you for the lively and continued hilarity on the HRCC podcast. I enjoy listening to you two while I work. I have to comment that I just watched Greenland after your intern recommended it, and it was quite good. I was also moved by all the calling CQ at the end of the movie. On another note... Wait, com- I haven't even watched it. I recommended it? I think The intern recommended it. Charlotte watched it? No. <laughs> What's happening right now? Are you? I, we talked about Greenland. I haven't watched it. I well, said it's on my list. Right. And it's supposed I, I, somebody to have has ham radio. Des- yeah, somebody has described it. Okay, good, yes. good, good. <laughs> on another note, come on. Bought a 7610... Starting to side with Leia, where we can say there's such a thing as too many rigs. How? Thank you. How do you, you figure? How Dennis. do you figure? How do you figure? Thank you. I don't understand that. The I voice don't. of reason. I, but I'm not, I'm not there. That 7300 has a, has a job to do. It's not going to sit on a shelf. It's going to be a part of something very important. Okay. All right. Yes. Josh is very excited because he believes the 7610 will actually better serve HRCC viewers. I think so. Better screen, better capability for me to interface it. So he has Multiple basically antennas. taken any wrath he might receive for that and mm. say, but it's for the community. It's for the community. <laughs> He's blamed it on you, everybody. I just wanted to know. <laughs> Dennis continues, keep up the great work and thank you for your steadfast content production in ham radio. So many are helped by your efforts. I can honestly say I don't know where I'd be in ham radio if it weren't for the ham radio crash course streams and videos. Josh, you're awesome. Oh, Dennis, that's so nice. You're you're amazing too, man. You're doing a lot out there and, and we really appreciate what is there more? The next line says, oh, okay. by the way, Leia, call me winky face. Love Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think Sterling's amazing. Obviously. Oh, yeah. There's course. so many amazing people in the ham radio community. Of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. HRCC, especially, right? Mm-hmm. I I just think the the uh, just the people who are in the live chat for the live streams. The, the people oh, yeah. who write in for mm-hmm. the podcast. Uh, this is uh, like weekly talking to your friends. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Dennis signs off. Kidding. 73. Dennis. <laughs> AD6 DM. So, Dennis, I apologize for jumping the gun on revealing that you are not Sterling as emails have the person's name at the top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... You thought that was Sterling? No. He signed off pretending to be Sterling, but I spoiled the joke because I had already seen his name up top. Thank you for writing in, Dennis. And again, check out Hamden Thoughts. Yes, please. The next email is titled Ham Tactical Shirts. This is from Brad. Perhaps I'm an old timer, but I prefer polo shirts to t-shirts. I grew up to the mates never wear a shirt without a collar. T-shirts don't look good on many people and are not to go out to dinner, etc. Ask Josh to do a survey on the air to see if there's any interest. Let's have the HRCC groupies looking sharp. Brad, K-E-8-P-E-K. 
what do you think about polo shirts? I have looked into them. Mm-hmm. It requires me bringing on a, another production partner. Oh, because the group we use now doesn't do polos? They don't do polos, but on top of that, virtually nobody screen prints a polo. Right, they have You'd to be have, stitched. Yeah, and when I, I did a lot of research on embroidery, mm-hmm. and a lot of people mess up embroidery. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and it's also much more expensive. Oh, yeah. No, this is not going to be a cheap shirt. This would not be a cheap shirt. And I, like, I really hate doing that. Mm-hmm. I hate taking a design and then making it inaccessible. Right. Because, let's, let's be honest, like, most guys don't, actually spend that much money on clothes right for sure so i do appreciate the suggestion of the polo shirts and if there is interest i can keep going down the path Mm -hmm. my concern is just inconsistent embroidery yeah i mean i don't know what the logo would look like i don't know what anything would. that's actually the hold up with the hats too i can't get something embroidered they can't screen print a hat no that also has to be embroidered and I can't get the design stripped down to a point where... I feel like I have, like, a ton of screen print hats in, in my really? office right now. Yeah. You'll have to show me. Okay. Because I could not find anybody who would screen print a hat. Interesting. Because okay. it wouldn't lay right. Okay. But then I've been working on this embroidery thing, which requires a change in graphics. Mm-hmm. And you, you're, you're also kind of subject to what they have available in terms of thread color. Right. So then it's real. Anyways, this is a lot of how the sausage is made. In it's, the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't want to put a, anything out there that doesn't look good mm-hmm. or is too stripped down that you're not feeling like it identifies, you know, you as a ham radio operator because... That doesn't make sense. So it just says, I'm a ham. It's. (laughs) That's what the first hat's going to say. I guess you are. I guess you are. Thank you, Brad. If we do end up doing polos, though, you will get one. Okay. Yeah. The next email is titled. That goes back to that email we got. I'm going to recommend a a Dodge SRT (laughs) charger. I do not love lamp. Is this title? I agree. I'm just not going to read it. I'm just kidding. Okay, okay. <laughs> this is from Brian, Leia, and Josh. Thanks for doing this podcast. I've been listening. I've been enjoying the show since I found the podcast in January when I was studying for my technician license. Spoiler alert: I passed, and I'm getting ready to sit for my extra exam in a few hours. Hey, it's probably too late uh, to say this, but good luck. Yeah, well, and congratulations <laughs> yes. right, for what you've accomplished. So about touch lamps, Mm. just a few minutes ago, I was calling CQ on 20 meters (laughs) using CW. I've only done so a couple of times so far, and we have always unplugged my touch lamp in my room first because I kept hearing the voice of Josh in my head ranting about touch lamps and RFI. Anyway, this time I forgot to unplug it and called CQ. Every time I pulsed my straight gear, my touch lamp was activated. It has four settings, low, medium, high, and off. So the rhythm of CQ, it was going (laughs) low, medium, high, off, low, medium, high, off. 
If I didn't know any better, I would suspect that touch lamps around the world have a vendetta against ham radio and are doing their best to disrupt it with all of their shenanigans. Indeed. So the moral of the story is touch lamps are the enemy. (sighs) They are. No. No. That was actually his radio interfe- uh, interfering with the touch lamp in that case. It sounds like ham radio has a vendetta against touch lamps. No, but <laughs> touch lamps put out an amazing amount of RFI when they're just sitting there. Like, just plugged in, they're noisy. Not even mm-hmm. on, they're putting out noise. Particularly the worst offenders, which happens to be the one you have in the kids' room. So, Nope. Mm, yes. No. No. Yes. You just haven't put enough ferrites or toroids there or is, something on it. The cord is five <laughs> inches long at this point. It started out six feet, and now it's five <laughs> inches. It can't get any shorter. Anyway, thanks again for all the work you guys put into the show. 73, Brian, KC3RFV. You've got RF in your call sign. I think maybe you should take a look at that. RF is not RFI. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's right. All you right. should know better. Okay. Now you should. It's (laughs) RFV. Thanks, Brian. The next email is titled Simple T-Shirt Idea, and this is from Billy. Greetings, Leia and loyal deputy. Oh. That's true. Yes. I'm not sure if this has already been brought forward. If it has, please disregard. My idea would be to have the saying, ham radio taught me the metric system. Below that would be a graphic of the metric conversion system with a tapped inductor or resistor above it so the it is a diagram that goes kilo hecto deca best uh, base unit deci centi milli and it it hops around which actually is a key to passing (laughs) the technician exam yeah it's true so thank you so much for the suggestion i will uh i'll show this to josh to oh yeah yeah yeah, it makes I mean, sense. It's a great that. graphic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's 73's Billy KJ7WRO. Right on. The next email is titled, Thank you to you and Josh for the explanation on digital radio and an apology. And this is from Ryan. Okay. I wonder what Ryan has to apologize for. <laughs> Dear- I, killed, I killed a digital radio. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Josh and Leah, I wanted to thank you for reading my rather lengthy email review question on last week's podcast. I was out walking my dogs and by the time you finished it, I had completed reading it. The walk was done and I was out of breath, not from the walk, but from the length of my email. I apologize for that. You know, Ryan, it's okay because you asked some good questions. You did. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we love the reviews. So thank you. Uh, Thank you to Josh for his simplified explanation about digital radio. It made sense and I appreciate it. I've already located several code plugs, which I will upload to my BTEC handy talkie. Good. That's perfect. One final thought on that sea monkeys versus shrimp side topic you two talked about. Mm. And this is... Just for context, yes. Josh had a tank, yes, in which he was trying to grow plants and and had a shrimp, nice little peaceful shrimp. And I brought in a also small blue shrimp. It wasn't a shrimp. Uh, well, I was told it was a shrimp. Mm-hmm. It turned out it was a yabby, an Australian crawfish. 
and, and a voracious eater. Yes, decimated of everything. Of but also, we had sea monkeys, which were actually fairly easy to have reproduce. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I tried my hand at sea monkeys last year, Brian continues. I had received a sea monkey kit as a gift from my little niece, just what every man wants a sea monkey farm. I followed the instructions to a T regarding prep work and whatnot, and when everything was said and done, only four hatched. Four died shortly thereafter. I think one ate the other two later on. The one that was left lived to a ripe old age of 60 days or so before it (laughs) croaked. Or rather likely, I killed it when I tried to clean up the water a bit by pouring out some of the dark green murky water out and introduced some fresh room temp bottled water. Ah, well, as for Josh and the shrimp, well, I think I will keep my mouth shut on that one. So, actually, sea monkeys are fairly easy. You have to just get the salinity of the water right. And the kits have the right saline amount. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you are swapping out water, you have to make sure what you add is the right saline amount. Do you remember when I made you, made is probably the right term at least when I got started, the video about like the secret history of sea monkeys and the guy behind it? Yes. The water conditioner is not water conditioner. It has the eggs in it. Yes. The first packet is actually the sea monkeys. And the second packet that you're supposed to wait 24 hours for is the dye that dyes the sea monkeys so that you can see them. Well, the first packet is the sea monkeys and salt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, By the way, if you look up like secret, um, the history of sea monkeys on YouTube, it is a fascinating video about the creator of Sea Monkeys, who I ended, I, I believe, ended up having like ties to Nazis. Oh, I think that's true. <laughs> yeah, so not a great guy, um, but very, but, very fascinating. Oh, super inventor. Fascinating. Y- yeah, he he's like the gag shop inventor. Right, right, yeah. right. He he started Acme. So you know, Ryan, I would suggest you try Sea Monkeys again. But have some uh, sea salt. Don't get those Nazi ones, though. Right. <laughs> Don't get those Nazi sea The new ones have lights at the bottom so that it will like illuminate like the stuff. shrimp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I actually got a kit for one of my friends whose kids are around our kid's age. And their sea monkeys are still going. Wow. It's been months. They have reproduced and died, reproduced and died. And just really thriving they're just like sea monkeys living on top of corpses at this point yeah. <laughs> don't they eat they eat? eat the dead yeah i believe they do they clean what up their own waste kind of zombie <laughs> sea life that's are the other way around children? that's the other way around it's when the dead eat the living oh, cannibals. That is. <laughs> cannibals that's that's the word ryan continues perhaps instead of making josh eat that unhatched egg thing he could take a swig of sea monkeys instead. I bet they feel better going down instead of feeling the beak of an unhatched chick scraping down his throat. Ugh, sorry, man. So sorry. Okay, I have to clarify something. Mm. Everything in a balut is very soft. So it's a soft beak. Some of the beaks aren't even developed. It depends on how far along it is. Jeez, man. It's okay. You'll be okay. I promise. Ryan signs off 73 K O C T R.
Thank you so much, Ryan. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Josh opts for Balut because that's the promise. <laughs> Would you rather have sea monkeys than Balut? Yes. No. Of course. I could ask Sarah for a cup, but then you'll still have to do the Balut. <laughs> so I'm just doing it for funsies? Yes. You're like, this is less than Balut. Now eat the Balut. Was it less than Balut? I think you're really going to like it. I I think you're going to surprise yourself and really enjoy it. I don't think so. Okay. I'm, I'm not that, I mean, I'm not that huge a fan of chicken to begin with, like chicken just in chicken well, form. Well, it's like duck. I'm not that fan of, big a fan of duck if it's not like crispy duck in it's, a bun. It's not gamey with a shallot. It's, it's not at all gamey. It's just, it's like a very it's intense pre-game. soup. It's pre-game. It's, it hasn't developed the it has developed no of game. life. Yes. This is a, a duck that has no game. <laughs> okay, the next email is titled, Thank You Both. And this is from, it's, oh, uh, Jonathan Orpark. Okay. I'm going to say Jonathan. Never mind. It now says this is offline material. <laughs> I apologize. Next email. Is- say that like the first thing right at the top of the email <laughs> in capital letters. No, he did. Fine. He did. Oh, okay. I didn't skim ahead of time. Oh, okay. I just read the top. Well, maybe look at the maybe look at the body and then yes. just a little bit. Uh huh. A little bit. Sure. Mm-hmm. You mean be prepared? Bizarre. Okay. <laughs> the next email is titled "A New Radio Sport." And this is from Ollie. Dear Josh and Leah, I have been a listener for several months and a regular viewer of your live streams. Thank you. Your content has helped me pass my tech and general exams in the same sitting and kept me entertained for hours at work. Wow. That's that's really nice. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. My call sign is KJ7WRF, and I have fallen head over heels for radio. Yes. Good. That. <laughs> Good, good. Uh, welcome to Josh's club. That's it's not my club. It's everyone's club. <laughs> the head over heels for radio. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to think that I need a support group. Not you. You feel like you have no problem. <laughs> Leah, me. That's why you got a license. <laughs> you joined the support group, Leah. You're no, a support- part of it now, Leah. <laughs> I'm not head over You're heels for radio. Support group. I like radio. I think radio is very functional. Mm-hmm. I think that it's good for. Uh, Leah, you're you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> you're, you're just doing it all wrong. Okay. All right, I'll go get my seventy six ten right now. Okay. When it arrives at the house. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I have broken my lurker ways for a specific reason. Mm. When I. St- First started my radio journey, I was enthralled by the long-range VHF-UHF contacts possible with summits on the air, as shown by the likes of Adam K6 ARK's videos and live streams. And I eventually got struck with an idea for a new radio sport, one that would combine several aspects of the radio service we enjoy with many outdoor hobbies and skills involved in soda, poda, and off-grid operations, as well as a dash of MCOM and net operations. Okay. Josh is intrigued. This is a, this I can is see a it tall in his face. order. This is yes, a tall order. Yes. 
This new radio sport would essentially be a radio relay race between two points separated by a distance or geography that requires several operators to relay the message via VHF radio. The winner, this is a race after all, would be the team of operators that can deliver the final message to the end point before any other team. The message would consist of random 16-character alphanumeric code. When delivered correctly at one of the endpoints, a response code would be revealed, which would need to be passed backward through the net to the starting point. Mm-hmm. This could take place two to four times as needed for the particular event. Another path to victory would be to use the least amount of power during the entire contest, regardless of transmit time. So where does soda, poda, and off-grid operation come into this? Well, each team would need to plan where the most optimal placement of each station should be located. And because the relay would have to be one line of sight band at a time, typically two meter, 70 centimeter and above, this would necessitate a high perch from which to operate. As the stations are required to be off grid and on public property, typical field day rules, many good spots would be soda or poda sites already, though there would be no requirement to do so. I imagine most stations would probably be set up long before the contest begins, probably camping out the night before to be in place for a morning start time. Okay, so you would know the starting point and the end point. Okay, 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 I'm tracking. To simulate an MCOM scenario, teams could participate in a communication blackout where they can't communicate with the other team members via internet, phone, or on-grid power radio station. How would you that, That's my concern. For a time interval before the contest begins. Well, easy. Hams are very honorable. Okay. Okay. Right? Sure. This interval could be this interval could be determined by the contest organizers for the needs of the event. Though I imagine 12 to 48 hours is a good amount of time for the blackout. Event organizers would primarily primarily utilize the honor system to enforce this rule. Okay. 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 Thank you for precogging my uh, question. <laughs> An exciting variant is one I called the scramble. In this event, that's where somebody comes and smashes up your shack before you get started. <laughs> Scramble everything around a little bit. Oh, and nobody will participate <laughs> if they're getting their shack scramble. Shack scramble. In this event, all operators would start out at the endpoints of the contest. Upon code reveal, the timer starts, and all teams of operators would depart in their vehicles or on foot in the scramble to get to their operating points and set up their radio gear at least 100 feet from the vehicle in order to relay the message as fast as possible. This is very MCOM. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm seeing where he's going with this. This is actually, this is actually pretty pretty cool. This very well thought out. Yeah, this is very. Yeah, this is so well. You got to forward out. me this email, by the way. Okay, you should just so well thought out. I didn't even make the ham and scramble joke that I could have. Well, that's good because that wouldn't have been funny. Yeah. So. <laughs> This event would require rapid and robust radio setup procedures Somebody and equipment. With a go box. Encouraging the yeah. development of new hardware by manufacturers and enthusiasts. Imagine race radios and antennas. This is, 
I'm almost curious what his what his background is, like his career background. Sure. He does reality TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> called RF to Survive. <laughs> separate scrambles for vehicle-based... Coming to Peacock. <laughs> That's their online service. L- Les Moonves. <laughs> what? Les Moonves presents. That's NBC, right? Or is that CBS? No, who's the guy NBC. from uh, who's the guy from the Housewives show? Andy Cohen. Yeah, hosted by Andy Cohen. Oh, Andy Cohen, so filthy rich off of. Where's the drama? He's gonna. I need you have, to slap the other hand. They have, the they have showrunners just sneaking booze to all their radio operators. Why are there so many Bellinis? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's a relay race I can get behind. Separate scrambles for vehicle-based mobile radios could also be held where the operator stays with their vehicle and can use the vehicle's power. These events would be particularly interesting to people who are already into off-roading and or radios and have very nice setups waiting to be used or needing a reason to build one. While VHF UHF is primarily an LOS band, other propagation methods like tropospheric ducting, sporadic E, and yeah, maybe even moon to, bounce to could that. be used. Oh, now you're talking. Although due to their unpredictable nature, yeah, yeah. these He's methods got it. He's got it. would be a half Mary, a Hail Mary situation. Also, not every node needs to relay the message. If an operator can be skipped, it is in the team's best interest to do so. However, it would probably indicate a lack of adequate pre-planning by the team. While, oh, this is... Uh, <laughs> or a team having two big amps. <laughs> Attempts at exotic propagation methods would be encouraged as long as it is compatible with that team's plans for the best chance of suggest, uh, su- success. Mm-hmm. Operators are likely to face a number of challenges, including weather, road conditions, interference, and other obstacles related to portable operation. These changing conditions, especially when coupled with simulated communication blackout, would necessitate a great deal of pre-planning and coordination. That'd be good because it's like one every once in a while you had like hazard hour when a bunch of people come out holding like handheld generators and they're just holding touch lamps running around <laughs> like pitchfork wielding farms people like just, you know, town villagers. I'm in. <laughs> Pace plans should be made for all aspects of the event. Pace plans for frequencies to be used in case of RF interference. Pace plan for the operating locations. If the plan location is inaccessible the day of the contest. Pace plans for travel, etc. For example... Imagine getting yourself into an operating location to find your summit shrouded in fog. You better know the compass bearings of your other stations and their backup locations so you can point your directional antenna their way. Well, you can still do that with a compass. I mean, all this planning would be immediately applicable to MCOM scenarios. I have quote-unquote designed this contest with an eye on content creation operators would be encouraged to live stream film or otherwise document Man, the event this guy and post it to is, social he's a showrunner he's a showrunner yeah. <laughs> the activity would encourage cooperation between hams and a friendly competition would make it compelling content for hams and non-hams alike 
The rules of this type of contest are designed to be as inclusive and flexible as possible, allowing the event organizers to scale up or down the scope of the relay race to match the number and resources of the participants. From county-sized relays organized by a local club with a dozen or so participants running handheld radios limited to a few watts and Yagi Uda antennas, to statewide events with hundreds of participants and dozens of teams spanning multiple days and several modes and bands, to international events crossing boards and languages to thousands of people participating. The sky's the limit. Now, honestly, I have not had much time to operate outdoors. <laughs> and much sleep, because I've been thinking about this for 48 hours. I, oh, no. Ollie says he broke his foot uh, he the day he received his call sign. Oh, my gosh. That sucks. Yeah. Wow. What a... What a- He continues, I would love to hear your input and thoughts about this type of event and any questions you may have, and especially your suggestions to make it more fun, entertaining, and practical. Thanks for taking time to read this rather long email. I really appreciate your videos, podcasts, and all your contributions to the radio community. 73, Ollie, KJ7WRF. That is a fantastic idea. This should just be a reality show. It should be. Right? Well, I mean, there's a whole compo- there's a whole segment that you can do on just, well, uh, this leg of the relay is build your own antenna. Wow. And you get like coat hangers and a pool noodle. Make it work. It would basically be. Oh, my God. It's Tim Gunn. Oh, my God. Make it work. Could it be Gordon West? I mean. <laughs> it, could be, it could be Gordon West. Gordon West could be the Tim Gunn. The Tim Gunn of yes. the ham radio reality show that, yes. that we're coming up with. That is uh, that is fantastic. That is altogether a it is it is a a fleshed out idea. It's not just an idea like here's a thought I had. It was like no no no. I I took it places. That's really really smart. That's a, there's a couple of ways you could even scale that to be like handheld only. So that you right. don't have to get like much further than like a park, like uh-huh. a large like a national like a you know a larger park. Yeah, there's all kinds of directions you can go with that. You're very excited about this. No, I'm I'm curious. Well, you know what? The only the only problematic part of it is that it is VHF UHF, so you do have to be. It would be a, a call it a fifty to a hundred mile game. I'm assuming for okay. for most people, but I, I I'd argue that even a, a a relatively modest 50 watt station with a yaki with a nice push-up pole you would be really competitive out to 50 to 100 miles of just uh simplex even more if you were doing single sideband i'm sorry cw if you were doing morse code like you would you would be killing this game so tell me would you be a participant in the sport or would you be an announcer i would i would have the uh, bob barker (laughs) microphone (laughs) <laughs> to remind everybody to get their ham radio spader and focus on <laughs> focus on <laughs> what's happening over here what, what are you it? doing with your go box <laughs> i see you've incorporated the green pepper and the duck today's special ingredient yes and the yagi <laughs> okay well thank you ollie you did i'm sure that, that me, right? yes okay. I'm, I'm sure that josh is going to get at you i will probably <laughs> message you in some way um that is a we, we've got enough i've got enough ham radio people 
in Southern California, we could probably do something with this. But I'm not... The logistics of coordination, I think, are the part that's going to be very interesting. Hmm. Very hmm. interesting. Because, I mean, technically, you could you could do a whole, like, uh, there could be just spies. Spies. That could just be scanning the frequencies, listening for the relay message. That's true. Right? Yes. I mean, but they do have to go back. So that's another good point. So, yeah. Okay. All right. I see. All right. All right. All right. Okay. But let's talk about honor. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the next email is titled Seeds. And this is from Chris. Hi, y'all were talking about seeds and gardening on the April 9th episode, and I was wondering if you'd heard of the Open Source Seed Initiative. That's O-S-S-I. They are dedicated to developing and keeping the genetic information of plants in the public domain and not restricted by patents and modifications such as terminator seeds. I don't know if this is necessarily related to what Josh was talking about in regards to non-hybrid seeds. It is. But I think it's interesting and probably somewhat important from a prepping perspective because of the importance of biodiversity. Mm-hmm. It I absolutely agree. is. Yeah. I got some OSSI seeds from Fedco in Western Maine. Wait a minute. There are still Fedcos? Uh, did he say Fedco? Yes. Wait a minute, Chris. Th- you, there's a Fedco where you are? <laughs> Is he emailing us from the 90s? The early 90s? So we had Fedcos in California. Right. It was Fedco, where you lay away your, your future goods. I, I feel like trips to Fedco have now been replaced by trips to costco or amazon well no i i mean the the suburban family going shopping Mm -hmm. on the weekend to get all of their goods now is at costco but when i was growing up it was fedco the prices were great Mm -hmm. right and i and they had everything yes they had everything they had that conveyor belt thing where the goods would come out remember you'd order something and then Uh it would come out on the conveyor belt I, Chris, if there's still a Fedco in Maine, I almost want to go to Maine. <laughs> Just the trek to it's Fedco. It's like the, the years, like it's like a clock. It passes like across the country, and Maine is like. <laughs> I'm I'm curious though about the open source uh, seeds. So that's like uh, these seeds are Red Hat seeds. This is Linux seed right here. Every time I'm, I plant them, I gotta re. <laughs> I got to recompile the kernel. <laughs> You've just got to be good about making sure you allow one to go to seed for collection, right? One of the plant. You don't know what I'm talking about. You didn't know what I'm talking about. Apparently, Chris that was a joke. Can, oh, <laughs> it's a Linux seed. A Linux seed. You have to oh, recompile the it. kernel. Okay, I got it. Come on. Chris continues and have found some of them pretty resilient as opposed to seeds from the hardware store as they have come back on their own after the winter. That is really impressive. Mm-hmm. I I really like plants that reseed themselves, uh, plants that go perennial. I actually have a perennial eggplant, which pretty other much, people think like, it's insane. But yeah. I haven't planted eggplant in so long, and now it's just got a thick trunk that leaves and eggplants come out of consistently. Makes me feel like a good gardener. 
you know, <laughs> even though it's just done it all itself. I don't know if that's it's the mark been, of a good gardener if you got your garden on autopilot. That's what you want. You want permaculture. You don't want to have to keep growing year over year. Like asparagus is really good for that, except for it takes so much space. Yeah, because you get like one. You, But you plant it and you don't have to plant it again. That's kind of what you want. That it uh, a garden that is self-sustaining on its own. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you don't you don't agree, but you don't know. You don't oh, I was thinking anything. artichoke. Asparagus is okay because that's yeah. I, I, it's more you get a you get a decent yield, but artichoke. Oh no, Ar- asparagus is a lot of space for very little yield, but mm-hmm. it comes back year over year. Mm. What about Brussels sprouts? Those things are crazy. Yeah, you know what's actually insane is there is a farm. I want to say the tiktoker name is shay the farm kid and he runs his multi-generational family farm and it's been fully modernized okay and they had asparagus fields but because of the immigration freeze they weren't able to get farm workers because normally they come over on a visa Mm -hmm. and so their entire crop of asparagus was going to go bad they couldn't get anybody to come out and pick it so uh, he ended up putting an open invitation out to anybody who wanted to free asparagus who would pick it themselves could come to his farm he had three thousand people show up they literally the opposite of what they were trying to curtail with the covid restrictions right, well, <laughs> so you made a up, super spreader event no they saying. ended up doing um appointment times so that oh, people okay. could right. be spread out yeah yeah but he easily gave away a hundred thousand dollars worth of asparagus because and because he couldn't get it picked right but he also didn't want the crop to go to waste of course yeah so i mean what he couldn't he couldn't pick a lot of it himself like he couldn't too busy doing the tickety talks asparagus has to be picked by hand it can't be done by machine So so what was he doing with his hands not enough to pick and provide wholesale Okay. I mean, he probably picked enough for his family to eat. Okay. Which is, I, I, I'm giving this guy a hard time. I don't know this guy. I think he's a really good guy, honestly, because he from could his have, social media posts, he could have requested people pay for admission, but That's he was true. like, "Forget it. Just schedule a time, come out." And there were other people who had filmed what it looked like. Mm-hmm. There were, there was a massive line. People lined up to get this free asparagus fresh from the farm. That's wild. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. That's so, the new, that's the new Apple Valley uh, apple picking tradition. Pick your own asparagus. People would never, never, ne- <laughs> because first of all, most people don't like asparagus everybody likes apples most people do not you can't make a pie out of asparagus i'm sure somebody will write in and tell me if you can i can't imagine i mean a quiche well hear me out a quiche it has chicken livers and marmite in it (laughs) i'm in (laughs) but the other thing is that's backbreaking work actually to bend over and cut the asparagus properly so you're not damaging the plant but getting enough of the actual vegetable oh so the plant is kind of a it it chills it hangs out it's not something you're supposed to like rip out you can't rip it out you have to cut it Mm. or you're damaging the root system that's supposed to regrow it the next year actually when you grow asparagus you're not supposed to pick it for the first few years 
Well, it just keeps going to seed and all that stuff. Just well, you want it to build up its root system by growing foliage. You want it to uh, fully bloom. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that was a real diversion. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> Learned a lot about asparagus today on the Ham Radio Crash Course. Chris continues, particularly white Russian kale and hyper red rumple waved lettuce. There's probably a better place to get them on the West Coast. Uh, we actually in Petaluma, we we do have a seed vault that you can go and who's, buy seeds who's from. We, you got a what? seed vault in Petaluma. Californians have a seed oh, vault in Petaluma. Okay, yeah. Josh won't let me go to your seed vault. Yeah, <laughs> to the Californian seed vault. It's like your bat cave. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I think it would be really exciting to go, but exciting i i do heirloom seeds very exciting they also I can't have, wait to put these in the ground and kill these things <laughs> they also have a podcast called free the seed i don't think it's been updated in a while but it's still still worth checking out good luck with both your garden and your general exam 73 p.s i think vegemite is australian while marmite is british i don't know that for sure and I've never tried either of them, maybe get a jar of each and taste test for the show. Chris, KF0BRS. Chris, I do have a jar of each. We got a jar of each. <laughs> and uh, we're we're both fans of it. It's good stuff. You prefer Vegemite. I, I think do. I prefer Marmite. And I would argue that a lot of Australians prefer the Marmite. I don't know. What? Regardless of where the origins of Marmite comes from, it is produced in Australia now. If you brew your own not, beer, can you just popular. make your own Vegemite? Is that sure, something I'm that guessing. yeah that can be done? I like both. Yeah. I I think a Vegemite gets it for me. I think it's a more complex flavor. Again, I must remind people: if you were going to try Vegemite or Marmite, the same rules apply. You take decently crisp toast put on a light schmear of butter then, doesn't even have to be light honestly it doesn't have to just be regular that light regular butter. butter on your toast yeah when you apply vegemite or marmite it is a light application sure it's yeah. not a heavy it's, an it's not bomb. jam it's not like a jam you yeah. don't put on a layer that you would put on like a you know putting jelly on your toast don't do that. You want to scrape it onto the toast, basically. A little mm -hmm. bit goes a long way with this stuff. That's why the jars are so small, because it lasts a long time. I really like it on sourdough or a seeded wheat dough, uh, uh, wheat toast. Sourdough's probably, for me, the one that I like the most. And I really like it with avocado, too. But hey, Australian That is a proper friends. California move. Yeah. yeah. You tell me how you're having your Vegemite or Marmite. With beer. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for all of the information, but most importantly, the existence of Fetco's still. Yeah, that's why. I, I thought that they were all gone. So thank you for that. Okay. That's how he gets the seeds. This is actually a time machine. He goes back in time and gets the, er the heirloom seeds before Roundup was created and started this whole... <laughs> terminal seed uh, or not uh, roundup what's the company that does the monsanto monsanto yeah mm -hmm. it's pre-monsanto it's a pre-monsanto time machine uh, racket it's a it's a, a crop share 
Farm can, you, can you imagine being so hated for as Monsanto? Just when you gardening is such a happy thing, mm-hmm. but everybody is just Monsanto. <laughs> I'm so happy it's getting all dirty in my garden, but oh my god, it just reminded me of Roundup. <laughs> The next email is titled, Sorry, There's Not Much Merch Idea, Only a Question. That's fine. We like that. It's good. And this is from Corey. Don't apologize. To the Queen of Ham Radio and Josh. Mm. Wow. That is, you guys are, you're too kind. I am, I mean, that is not the appropriate title. <laughs> I feel Katie Allen. I mean, we just had. We just did YL Night yesterday on Ham Nation. Yes, if you ha- if you haven't checked out Ham Nation, you can you can listen to it uh, by following. The Not yet. Sidebar. I haven't posted the podcast. I was oh, you do have that it? tonight okay. with the, But yes, yes, keep, it's on. Keep going. It's Pretend on like YouTube it's on. on the Ham Radio Crash Course YouTube page. Mm-hmm. But it 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 was a show only by YLs. Only YLs. And Amanda Alden, who is a regular and host. Valerie. Yeah, Valerie also a regular host. Who, who else? Rhea? Uh, Rhea was on it. We had the past president of the ARRL. So we had um, Ann Finkelson, who is a amazing DX expedition, de-expedition person. She will go, she has gone on these large expedition to islands in the Pacific and whatnot, and she talks about how it's like, you know, all male crews and kind of how she was, you know, the only female in, in a lot of these situations. Really cool. K Craigie, K3KN was on. K is the past president of the ARRL. Okay. Long lineage of amateur radio. We had Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, who is one of the one of the speakers on the amateur radio newsline, which has been mm. going strong for yeah. many, many years. Played on repeaters all over the United States, possibly the world, I don't know. But uh, she's fantastic. She's got a really, she's very funny. And that was a lot of fun to uh, to hear her kind of in person, uh, in person live to me, I guess. And then we had, of course, Dr. Tamitha Scove. Which is, is amazing. Space weather woman. Everybody, I think, is familiar with her if you've, if yes. you've ever seen uh, Dr. Scove. Dr. Scove was, was a lot of fun to, to hear talk. I met her in Ham Nation in 2019. Oh, really? Briefly, briefly, because I think they were all running to get on the live Ham Nation show that they did at Ham Nation. uh, Ham Nation at Hamvention. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah, they did a live Ham Nation show at Hamvention in 2019. I think every year they do that. So I don't know what that's going to be like in the future. I don't know how (laughs) I'd run anything like that, but um, it'd be worth worth the fun. We'll see how that goes. So any, any of those women, I think, are are worthy of the title Absolutely. of Queen of Ham Radio. I am, like, humbled yeah. in their presence. Sure. Uh, I mean, to, I love you. You're great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Corey continues, first off, congrats to Leia for passing her tech. Thank you very much. Congrats. Thank you both for all you do for Ham Radio. I... I think the main thing I do for ham radio is not kill Josh. I think I mean, that's the big yeah, thing. That's, <laughs> that's, I, yeah. I think that's an impressive feat. I, yeah. I don't think people understand how impressive that actually is. Uh, I am. I don't think people can be roommates with me, let alone be married to me. 
you're a wonderful husband and father, actually. But yeah, but I I think a lot. I think you sometimes you're like this guy is really (laughs) pissing me off today. I mean, that's a part of married life. I think. Yeah. So kudos to you. Right. Kudos to you. Because I mean, I can always just go to the shack and be like, "Eh, she pissed me off, which you rarely piss me off. Thank you. So that's, that's a smart thing to say right there, gentlemen. <laughs> I'll just be like, yeah, I'm just going to go to the shack and blow some steam. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll take the kids in with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know. No, but I'm a nut. I, I don't think I'm... Oh, so, just so, I, I, so many hobbies. <laughs> but, but I took one hobby and just made it crazy. You know what I mean? Like, if That's you really think about it. That's what you literally have done with every hobby. Everything. Just this time, you made so many friends doing it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You know what I didn't do with all the last time? It was built an entire community. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Problem solved. <laughs> I mean, it already existed. I'm just talking to people that are already handling right. you operators. You made, you yeah. made friends with made friends. the That's existing right. community. Uh, Corey continues, thank you both for all you do for ham radio. I found Josh's YouTube channel about a year ago when I started studying for my tech and general exams. Now studying for my extra. Congratulations. Well, congratulations to you. I've been hooked on Josh's content ever since and have enjoyed the addition of Leia to the podcast. Me too. Thank you. I enjoy that Leia brings her business background to the podcast. She asks many of the same questions I was wondering myself, having many years of business <laughs> management experience. Yes. I'm really enjoying the podcast as I now drive from between the Phoenix and Las Vegas areas Ooh. at least once a week. That's a good that's a good podcast right in there. That's a commute. Yeah. Thanks for keeping me awake and the podcast long and keep the podcast long. Sure. Well, thank you. I recently finished the live stream about laptops and had a couple of questions. Okay. All my devices are iOS. While buying a Windows 10 computer is possible, I was wondering about your thoughts on running a virtual box or just keeping with the iOS native software. I have an early 2015 MacBook Air 13-inch with about 15 gigs of free hard drive space and a Mac Mini. Mm. I recently purchased an ICOM 7300 and want to use it as a remote station when Mm -hmm. I'm out of town. I was considering connecting to the Mac Mini to the 7300 and using my laptop for remote station software. Would this work or would I need to or have a better experience with a Windows computer connected to the 7300 and a Windows-based computer for running okay. the remote software? Okay, here's number counter. Oh. The Alexa just popped what, off. What software would you recommend for the iOS remote software and the 7300 software? Okay. I, I realize he's talking about remoting it now. So the easiest, the easiest answer to your question is the remote software for ICOM is called RSBA1. And if you have a 7300, that means that you have to be running the remote software on a computer connected to the 7300. That will allow you to tunnel in with another Windows computer that is running the remote software to connect to your computer windows 10 server back home there is no option for ios or and ios means like iphone or ipad we're talking about mac os computers mac os laptops mac os uh, mini 
there is no software that exists right now that interfaces with those devices for ICOM, specifically ICOM. I am unsure if there is not remote capability via a Raspberry Pi. You will have to look into this. I'm not exactly sure how this would all go down, but it's possible that you could create a VNC type solution, but that would require opening up ports on your your outside router to your to your home network to be able to tunnel in. I am not the right person to talk about home network security, particularly when you're poking holes in your in your local area network to get outbound uh, to to allow VNC connections in. But that would be an option. You, you could you could look into that, and that could mean that you could use your your macOS equipment to connect to your seventy three hundred if it was connected to like a Raspberry Pi or something along those lines. There is a device. It's called the Rig Pi, and it was made by MFJ. I don't know if they're still making it. And there are other devices like it that will allow you to remote modern HF radios. There is, of course, the flex radios, which will do that kind of out of the box, but those are very expensive radios. It sounds like you went with the 7300, so you're looking for a solution like that. So I, I would uh, possibly encourage you. You you can find those uh, very small little boxy computers, micro PCs, that would work in this role for the home server. Think of the Mac Mini, but a small Windows PC. And then you could even go as cheap as picking up an old Lenovo laptop off of eBay, or what I've really been digging is the uh, Toshiba Toughbooks. And the Toughbook CFC3 is what I've been using for my portable operations on the radio, and that will run the ICOM software very easily. I I do it all the time with my 705. So that's that's an option you can go and, and I'm sorry I don't have a better path for you because I have the RSB A1 software and it's like $150. Sometimes you can get it cheaper when it's on sale. So that's probably the most streamlined, easy path to do this because it already exists. Like ICOM's already got it all set up. You just buy it, run it, and and you're done. So I hope that helped. Okay, Corey, uh, hopefully that answers your question. Corey signs off. Once again, thanks for your time and all you do for ham radio. I look forward to seeing the hate mail in the background of your videos. 73, Corey, (laughs) K7AZN. P.S. Don't forget the pool questions. We forgot them once. Don't forget. Yes. Leah, I I did open the pistachio because I wanted to try it. I got, I got, I was sitting here kept drinking all my beers you've been talking this whole time so i opened another beer so why don't you why don't you try that right now while we're in between i like pistachios the nut pistachios the ice cream i love pistachio and spumoni love spumoni so love a good spumoni why don't they the, have a spumoni beer that right? salt and pepper pistachio from trader joe's mm-hmm. the everything ones too are yeah. really good this is not strong pistachio flavor it has the creamy mouthfeel of pistachio though that is true mm-hmm. even the little nut has a creamy mouth yeah. feel a little bit yeah i like it very good Man, i these are so great thank you brian pistachio cream ales fantastic i will see, well depending on if we get through that one i don't know okay the next email has no subject it is from dallas good evening y'all 
Love the new segment you all have added. And along the lines of self-defense, let me preface this by saying, I don't know the laws in California, but from my experience, there are lots of things that can be used for self-defense. So for context, one of the early preparedness corners we talked about was self-defense. But first, an issue I want to address. Do not carry off-tire person like a purse carry. If you carry in your purse or off your person as a contractor uh, by previous email, previously emailed last week, first is the first thing is you're going to forget an emergency in an emergency. I am. It's also going to be one of the first things an attacker goes for or grabs. And if you are caught off guard, you're not going to have time to get your defective items before the bag gets taken from defensive defensive items now on to defense items josh stated last week that any fixed blade is illegal in california concealed concealed fixed blades that being the case carry folding knives you are going to have pockets for carrying a knife or two you've got waistbands Always have a redundancy. You've got a bra. <laughs> Shove some knives in there. <laughs> Always have a redundancy of what you're carrying. I suggest a blade with the appendix carry, snap off the back or hip location, mm-hmm. or a mixture of all of the above. What is an appendix carry? Well, do you know where your appendix is? Yes. Right there. I see. As a lady, you've got more options for places to conceal <laughs> than us guys do. Okay. I mean, arguably, we don't actually always have pockets. This this may be confusing to many men, but women's jeans even are not made to hold anything. They're faux pockets. And even if you put something in there, it would print like crazy. You would see the outline of it. Yeah. But I think there was somebody who did a video comparing women's pockets Mm -hmm. in the same size to men's. And... In the women's jeans, you couldn't even fit a phone in the front pocket. In a man's, it was just like he was kept pulling stuff out. There was a phone. There was chapstick. There was a knife. All out of the front pocket. And I was astounded. That's why it always cracks me up when like, I see like women that put their phone in their back pocket. I'm like, what are you doing? You're just going to sit on that. And then it's like, well, no, because their front pockets are totally not right. usable for a standard phone. And even sometimes our back pockets are not big enough for a right. phone. Right. So the phone's like sticking halfway out. You're like, yeah. this is just not safe. Yeah. So we may have options for things to carry on our person, mm-hmm. but given our clothes, actually, it's not that easy. That sounds like a personal problem. Sure. You should okay. get things with good pockets. I like dresses. Have you considered cargo pants? <laughs> cargo shorts. I think I wore cargo pants in the 90s. The 1900s. Yes. <laughs> the late 1900s. <laughs> the late 1900s. <laughs> That's still now. when It feels like the 90s were actually just a decade ago. Mm. But they are, in fact... That's what it feels like when, that's what they say it feels like when you start getting old. Wow. Thanks a lot, Josh. And like Nirvana starts showing up on the classic rock stations. It already has. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dallas continues, small cases or holsters can easily be made to fit a folding knife and conceal it in various articles of clothing. Yes. A two inch blade is more than enough to defend oneself 
and do drastic damage to an attacker. But enough about knives. One I would recommend is a tactical pen. Tactical pens are great tools as they not only work as defense tools, but are functioning pens as well as tools that can be used for breaking out of a vehicle in case of getting trapped in a vehicle um, accident. There are several variations of tactical pens or similar items. Some are made more for keychains, but serve the same purpose. Speaking of keys, if it's legal, you could get the plastic cat keychains, ones with two that holes is for the illegal fingers. illegal in California. That counts as a fist and load. Really? Ears yes. that serve as spikes? Yes, that's a, that's a fist load. So that's basically like brass knuckles in California. Yes, he clarifies having a more legal version of brass knuckles. Mm-hmm. Even if it's plastic, it's not okay? I, I would argue that it's worse because you've got little spiky bits coming out of it that you're going to like literally stab someone. It's just with. a little kitty cat head. It's just a little kitty cat. <laughs> uh, like a push dagger is also super not okay. Okay. A push dagger, punch dagger, as it's referred to sometimes, like those are not acceptable. All right. Because like you're literally, or you've got knives, a knife coming out of your your hand. Okay. And you're punching with it, and it's like extremely useful, very very effective, but uh, not 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 no bueno in California. I don't agree with this, by the way, but right. You can also use your keys as a self defense tool by threading them between your fingers for punching. I have practiced this. Don't do this. This is a horrible idea. Really? Don't do this. I have practiced. This is a horrible idea. You're going to break your hand. Don't do okay. it. Okay. I, I appreciate what he's saying, but that's more that's more for slashing than punching. You, you'll you'll break something in your hand. Monkey fists also make great keychains and can be used with great effect. Monkey fists. That's the ball, right? That's a slug shot. What is a slug shot? It's a it's a, a relative of the blackjack that we talked about. In that, in that, and that's also not okay. No, that's a hard felony. But what if it's cultural? <laughs> you know, it's that monkey ball thing, right? This is when you're smoking peyote and trying to smash things with a monkey <laughs> ball on the side of the road. You're stepping on my culture. Ball caps with weighted knobs on top are also great defense tools that are and that's inconspicuous. That's also a slug shot. Yep. Learn something such as Krav Maga, uh, which is also helpful for self defense. I'm sure there's so much more that I could get into for self-defense, but I'll leave it at this for now. Hope this gets your mind turning on alternative methods and tools for self-defense. I, I still argue that if you go knife, like you got to have a pretty decent amount of grip strength, and that will continue on into tactical pens. If you remember also in the 1900s, there was a big craze of the Kobutan. You know, remember what a Kobutan is? No. It's a plastic stick about that long that you had on your keychain. Okay. You remember people that had that? Mm-hmm. It was a whole self-defense system that was around this Kobutan thing. And it has other names like Yawara stick. Um, Kobutan, though, has... There's multiple systems that, that incorporated this with, like, joint lock capability and, and you know, dagger dagger hands, uh, dagger attacks. And basically, that's how it was kind of used is that you'd, you'd kind of pummel people above... With a with a vertical fist, with the with the protrusion coming out of it, and then you could flail the keys and scratch people in the eyes and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a it's a thing. It's better than doing nothing in in a lot of cases. But um, that also turned into this weird kind of political legal realm in California with this Kobutan thing. 
And again, that requires a, a training regimen that goes behind it. It's not something you just pick up and you're like, well, now I'm protected. It's the same thing I say with like a Baofeng. If you put a Baofeng on the shelf, I bought it, put the Baofeng on the shelf, I'm good. Same deal. But why won't you let me test the pepper spray on you then? Do you remember <laughs> the video we did in the backyard before, way before we had kids? And we put up the, the fake faces and I had you spray the pepper spray at the I faces. I don't remember this. And you're like, all. I don't know. I can't hit anything. Remember? Uh-huh. Like, we did the whole thing with the with the inert can. Okay. You couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with the pepper spray at, like, 10 feet. Wow. I, I've got the video. It's on my channel. The proof is there. You, you can go look at is it. Is that true? Yes. Why won't you let me pepper spray you then? <laughs> I have to practice. What, that's, you can buy inert pepper spray to practice if you want to do that okay fine fine i have been working with ben's kung fu very much you've been watching kung fu yes very much i also have to demonstrate some of the moves for him that's like traditional shaolin style yes but it teaches you how to get power behind your kicks and punches and how to block i would argue that if you're kicking people in a self-defense situation unless you're on your back like defensive kicking you're probably showing off okay <laughs> all right i'm just gonna go ahead and you're you're doing too much flourishing just fair enough hurt him real bad dallas unless can, you're kicking in the nuts like okay that that's a kick that's deplorable. you're right can i try that no we're <laughs> not having any more kids what does it matter <laughs> oh okay oh well when you put it that way <laughs> save you a snip snip <laughs> okay all right <laughs> Dallas continues, Josh and Leia, you guys seem to care, uh, seem to share a love for aspects of the Midwest. We do. I do really love the Midwest. I would argue, I appreciate, I don't think there's a part of the country I've been to that I don't enjoy in some way. But I I mean, I really liked, you love Ohio. Oh, yeah. Ohio is great. Don't tell anybody I said that. When I went to Minnesota. When I went to Minnesota, I really enjoyed it. I mean, we we were in an area that had a lot of colleges. Like, there's an area where all the colleges kind of merge. Yeah, right. And and the drunk people for the tailgating. So fun, so fun. <laughs> and it's just just wholesome values. Just- I, I like I like going into a state I haven't been to where I'm like. I'm uncomfortable because I'm kind of a new person, but then I'm also there and I feel like this is a safe place and it's nice. I really and, like that. And you get something that's specific and different and interesting from what I'm used to. Yes. And I've gotten that uh, all across the country from all the... And by the way, I don't get to like travel for work to fun, crazy party towns. I go to like Cedar Rapids. Right. Colorado Springs. Uh, parts of Virginia. Very wholesome. Like just... Just kind of chill spots where people are just living their lives mm-hmm. and, you know, having fun with what they're doing, that kind of stuff. And that, that's always the kind of stuff I like. Dallas continues, so I want to suggest you move to southwest Missouri. We have great <laughs> land, which as queen of the land, Leia can claim, I will take queen of the land. I do. <laughs> <laughs> that is a title she accepts. Yes. <laughs> and room for an antenna farm that josh wants plus we're very second amendment friendly kind of kidding lol 
Anyway, looking forward to this week's podcast. Thank you again for all you're doing with the podcast and YouTube videos. Very 73s and 88s, Dallas, K-E-0-W-J-U. Leia, I mean, I, I, I have a couple of states in my back pocket that I could potentially move to. Are Since there when? any states? Since that, when? Oh, I, I, there's a there's a couple of states I could move to with sure. your question. By the way, I've never been to Missouri. I'm sure Missouri's fine. I've never been, so I, I'm not going to pass any judgment on Missouri. Is there any state that you could see yourself moving to? I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm I'm curious in what you'd actually say. Not while my parents are alive. No, I, okay. You're you're creating. That's not, not the point of the question. Where to raise kids? No, why? Why are you making this complicated? Because those things matter. Oh my god! Those are the things that keep me in California. This this is why you never play like Would You Rather with Leia because there's too many <laughs> writers. There's a contract you have to sign to ask a simple <laughs> Would You Rather questionnaire. This is the whole business acumen coming out. No, I mean like if you just had to move to another state for whatever reason, whatever reason, if you had to move to another state, what state would it be? I suppose I could do suppose Washington, like Washington. the Seattle area. Seattle, yeah. Have you been to Seattle? Yes. And I That's took just I took LA ben. with rain. It's actually quite wonderful. Okay, I really like right. Seattle. Um, potentially. Texas? Potentially Texas. Like Austin, though. You're talking Austin. You're not talking about... Well, I mean, how many places in Texas have you actually been? I've been to Houston, Dallas, and Austin. Hmm. Yeah. Out of those three, where would you move? Well, There's a probably. lot of thinking, man. You're, you're thinking about this way too So long. here's the thing. This is supposed to be a fun question. You're like, <laughs> well, hold on. i got to write down a 10-point plan. <laughs> I have family in Houston. Okay. Jeez. Okay. It's all, it really comes down to family Okay, for me. okay. So. It's all about the family. See, you should be more on board with The Fast and Furious. That's what I keep trying <laughs> to tell you. Like, I don't understand. You made me watch another one. I did. You watched Too Fast, Too it Furious. Was so, it was so painful. Just... We're going to skip. We're going to skip Tokyo Drift. We have to watch it at some point, but I, I, can't, I can't lose you after just starting this journey. <laughs> So Fast and Furious is next. You know, I was so stupid because you had you gotten so away stupid. You were from so stupid. the Fast and Furious story. We, we had moved on to other things, really. And then I you never saw give up an on your ad. Family, Leah. I saw an ad and I was like, there's another Fast and Furious Fast movie? Night or yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you go, what? And you didn't know. I could, I have, I could have escaped. <laughs> I knew. I had you watch the trailer, too, to try and show you. She did not believe me. So I think you believed me that The Rock was in it. And I think yeah. you gave me, I think you gave me, um, I think you accepted that Jason Statham was in it. Yes. But yeah. then I was like, well, you know, Helen Mirren's in it. No. And, and you were in, like, no. Impossible. And I'm like, and Charlize Theron's in it. No. And you're like, no, this is not true. And I'm like, oh, yes, this is true. This is a thing. What what really worries me though about the Fast and the Furious is that the production <laughs> it's so, value it's so good. must get so good, but it's I so can't good. imagine that the dialogue gets any better. No, 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 <laughs> no. The plot lines already are so flimsy. <laughs> That's the point. That's always been the point. 
Uh, you're you're in, man. You're in the family now. I'm done. That's all you care about is family. I mean, I don't I don't know why you're fighting it. <laughs> don't people come back to life? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's. I'm not. I don't want to dance around this point, but part of the reason why you must watch uh, Tokyo Drift, but you can't watch it immediately, is because of somebody who comes back. But yes, Fair major enough. characters die off and come back. Like yes, so it's thing. the general and, hospital. And we're talking about we're talking about like the movie ends and you think they're dead. It's not like end. You know, end mm-hmm. of the movie, they come back like they're gone. Okay. You think they're gone, like You're they're not written selling off. it. I gotta say, it's it's good. It's good stuff. All right. Okay. The next email is titled "There It Is." <laughs> there, there it is. Okay. This is from Old Iron, Mister and Missus Hoshnasi. Just when I think of a question or have a comment, there it is. You guys have addressed it. My last email did not include my call sign. Shortly thereafter, I heard Josh say, if you are uncomfortable having your address out there for all to see, use a P.O. box. Excellent, simple answer to the problem. Yeah. You have discussed Mike Fright. I have it. Or do I? I listen with Mike in my hand, even on occasion, key up, Mm -hmm. only to be stepped on. Trying to log in my KC1 blah, 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 and say I will be in and out, no traffic. Then I hang up my mic and listen. I justify my mic fright with really I don't have anything to say, like weather conditions, mowed my lawn, got the oil changed on my car. So I spare the local net listening to me talking about my weekend chores. Yeah. Well, isn't that what a lot of nets are about anyway? Yeah, I, I think sometimes get, people think that they have to have some kind of really witty repartee on the radio, and and you don't. You you just talk about what you're up to, what you're doing. I, I would argue, you know, if and as as we start rolling out of COVID, if you're going to do something or there is something where people you've met on the repeater could get together and meet, I think that would be fun to mention stuff like that and and coordinate meeting people, maybe. You know, and and this is this is just a crazy idea, right? When, when we start opening back up, and you know, we can we can hang out and stuff like that. Maybe just do a real informal thing during, and not say, "Hey, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go grab breakfast at this location, and uh, if anybody wants to join me, come on out." And and it doesn't have to be complicated. I really think that's a great value of the local net is yeah. finding people who live around you that mm-hmm. are of like mind mm-hmm. because that becomes a part of your emergency plan too. Uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah. People you can trust and yes. have more information outside of the area you're immediately in. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Old Iron continues, my wife asks after every net, did you talk? Nope. As I walk away in discomfort. But with a smile, I say, if I ever need to, I know how. Then I say to myself, wait until I get my general. I will share with the world I raked leaves all weekend. Take that, Mike Fright. I am not making fun of those who do reach out. I am jealous of their confidence. I think you've discussed it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to remember is that it, it really doesn't matter that much. It doesn't matter that you, again, have this 
witty repartee. It's just a, a factor of you being out there and being a part of, of what's yeah. discussed. And I promise you, I promise you, the more you do it, the more it won't be an issue. It's just taking that those first couple of steps to get used to it. Sure. Old Iron continues, your ability to tread so lightly on what would be deemed political issues without discussing politics, like self-protection, the class of which you deliver content on what could be sensitive to some is nothing short of refreshing. You are both articulate without a soapbox lecturing tone. Thank you. That is that means a, a great lot. compliment. That I, means a lot. We I, really I, appreciate it. I don't think, I mean, it, actually, I would argue that the world is so... The world now, from when I was on YouTube a decade ago, more than a decade now, 2006 yeah. is when I started my YouTube channel. Yeah. I could more freely talk about politics, more freely talk about guns and gun rights and all the stuff that goes into that. And, and I did. I definitely did. And some of those videos are still up. It's, it's kind of a different world in a lot of ways. You know what's really crazy, though? Mm-hmm. Some uh, Living in California, I have both liberal and conservative friends right yeah um I, I mean i think that contributes to why i don't feel the need to try to influence somebody to join my political perspective oh uh, yeah and neither do i yeah because i think everybody has their reason for wh- however they align but regardless all of the people that i know reg- on both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. we all have shared values I think that's probably the the thing that that makes this easier for us is that we're not trying to marry you to a concept or an idea, and we don't demonize no either side. No, right? I mean, well, I I will um, I will go hard sometimes after people that are staunchly anti gun that are filled with bad information because they are they've been filled with bad information. You know what's possible though is we are. Uh, openly pro 2a yeah openly and i think maybe people who are not self-select themselves out of our lives right if you're if you're definitely (laughs) themselves out of our our lives yeah if you're absolutely not comfortable with that i mean Mm -hmm. there there are parents who will be like you you can't go to somebody's house that has guns in it sure right uh but uh, two of the most liberal people i know like i'm happy to give my tax money uh, to the government for them to pay for mm-hmm. whatever needs to be paid for. Right. Uh, they are pro-gun. Yeah, I, I actually believe that 2020 and 2021, as much as it was a year for record gun sales across the board, it was actually a, a record year for more liberal-minded people to appreciate why that they should take care of themselves. And I think a part of that is if you're going to stand there and say defund the police, uh, the people who's on the do left, the job? <laughs> then you know that that is now your mm-hmm. responsibility. Right, 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 right. And or I mean, I mean, you you have to you have to appreciate if, and again, this is not necessarily in my opinion. But, and I'm going to clarify: yeah. I don't believe in defunding the police. No, no, no yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, if if your belief is that the people that have been ordained by the government to have guns, has the guns, then, and and you're against that, that they're crooked or, you know, whatever. Well, then that means you're on your own. Right. De facto alone. You have to provide for yourself. And yeah. I think a lot of people have, it may be, 
it may be a realization that is based on a naivete or a misunderstanding of what's really going on on the larger scale. I know at the at the minor, small scale, like where these horrible things have happened, they need to be sorted out correctly. But regardless of all that complexity, I think people are waking up to the idea that regardless of how well-intentioned police officers are, they're always minutes away from an emergency. Yes. They're always going to be there to write the report, but not necessarily there when the actual emergency happens. Right. That means that for those seconds, those minutes, how long does it take for a 911 to, you know, for, for, for a cop to show up? Right. Even if the cop shows up and you're barricaded in the house with, a, with an intruder, the cop's not going to Rambo kick the door down and yeah. shoot all the bad guys because they're also humans. They have families to go home at night, right? They got to take care of themselves. You're going to have to, to, you're going to have to fill that gap. Yeah. If you're unwilling to do that, okay, that's fine for moral, moral reasons. But you take any mom, I think, mm-hmm. almost any mom, and yeah. you say, if you just lay it out for them, cops aren't going to be here for 10 minutes. Somebody kicks down that In the door. Best case scenario best case for scenario. most communities. Best case scenario. Yeah. Someone kicks down that door. It doesn't matter how fast you dial that phone. It doesn't matter who you scream out to. You are the only resistance at that point. Yeah. Only one. And and that's that has no political yes, baseline. Exactly. That has nothing to do with politics. And I think that's the other thing that the pandemic And that's highlighted. not picking up a knife and, and charging. Sure. It in in the worst situation, it does. Because you've got to fill that gap with this tool that you have that can that can do great bodily harm. In the best of situations, perhaps, you know, you had the the forethought to get a gun, get trained and know how to use it. But also the pandemic, I think, was a huge reality check for a lot of people how important self-reliance is. Sure, because, I mean, no no offense to the government, but when they when they flip flop day after day with different guidelines and different ideas, I think that's not that's not to say that they're incompetent. It's just to say that when there is a changing environment that's brand new and an emergency that human beings are going to be human beings. Oh, I'm literally not even talking about the government in the scenario. I'm talking supply chain disruption. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. I, I The reality that you can't just pop out to a store to get what you need whenever you need it, mm-hmm. I think made people consider the fact that they needed to be more prepared mm-hmm. on multiple levels. Right. Right. That's so. why moms need guns. So they can do, you know, a little B and E every once in a while. And no, pick no, up what they that's need. not. <laughs> no, I, I mean that's. I, I think that's behind the I'm rise kidding, in I'm gardening. Kidding. I know. <laughs> a little B and E on a garden next door. <laughs> Got your eye on some uh, some hot chokes they're growing. I won't even take cuttings from other people's houses. Whoa! Plant cuttings. What an elitist. <laughs> That's theirs. They grew it. That's I don't their want your victory. trash vines in my no, garden. It's their victory safe. garden, right? What? A victory garden. That's just Yeah, but what, what, why can't you to. have cuttings? It's not hurting their yield. You they grew that. It belongs to them. This is actually a very hot topic in gardening communities. Is this like a cannibal thing going on? Is like, it is, is it okay to take cuttings without asking like the same way is it okay to take fruit off of somebody's tree what about those dirt grafts that people do 
what what dirt the grass? the graft where you put it around the 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 limb of the tree and it's like mm-hmm. dirt and a, a shoot will pop out of it and you take the shoot oh i know what you're talking about uh you know gardeners put their time and their resources into growing their crops i believe everything that grows off of them belongs to the person who grows it mm. so i would not actually take cuttings without permission i mean we have a local garden swap where people are openly giving those things i would do that Mm -hmm. but i wouldn't just go and snip somebody like we have a pothos if i saw a pothos overgrowing somewhere i wouldn't be like taking a piece of that pothos looks like you got plenty (laughs) even though even though they grow like weeds right Right. it it doesn't matter i'm i'm just not going to take it without and then, asked. as you're walking away with the cuttings, you're like, "I'm pothos carrying." <laughs> okay. Did you get that? An apothecarian. Yes. Yes. Okay. See, I, I explained it. it now, so that's, yeah, it's yeah. dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I killed it. Great. Then, okay. Old iron continues. Lastly, a t-shirt idea: two stick figures standing several feet apart, each holding a ham hock to their ears, with a taut string connected to each ham. A caption over each figure: one saying, "Not impressed with the range of ham." The other a caption saying, "We should have listened to Ham Radio Crash Course before buying." Hmm. <laughs> Okay, I like it. <laughs> I like it. That's a lot of text, though. We should have listened yeah. to that before buying that. That's a- Thank you so much for sharing and allowing us to share. Casey one blah blah blah. Great email. No traffic in and out. I will be clear <laughs> in and out from this email. Seventy three. P.S. It took weeks to compose this email since my last. I have email fright as well. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Thank you, old iron. You gotta get in like a bar fight or something what i don't know something <laughs> gotta get you out of your i don't know i feel like you're i, I don't think, mean that I literally think he's appropriately cautious i get it okay. i get it okay. yeah uh the last email the last is this, email. T- is this titled i should have told my secret and this is from nathan hello again my oh ham nathan fam. Yeah, nathan First, I want to thank Josh for the excellent interview with Callum M0MCS, the DX commander. We're going to do more stuff with Callum in the future. The outpouring of comments that were like, Josh and Callum just talking, so much fun. Callum (laughs) is, I'm not kidding when I say I literally will watch the man cut boards for his desk that he puts together. Because even him doing that is more interesting and more fun than a lot of television that you can get. <laughs> it, he's such a, a character. He's so much fun. We should backtrack and clarify. You, in a previous podcast, long ago, Leia we, commented. we discussed ham radio licenses around the world. You specifically wanted to know. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, and it is. Particularly if you have someone like Callum to deliver the information. And the first interview was about Australia. With Hayden. Yeah. Ham Radio DX. And he did a fantastic job. Yes. Slides and everything. Mm -hmm. And then this time, uh, just this past week, Mm -hmm. right? This week, yeah. Callum, DX Commander, Commander. about the UK. Yep. And I mean, hopefully everybody has subbed to DX Commander on YouTube. He makes probably one of the least expensive base station antennas that I would recommend. 
it is a kit. You do have to put together um, a lot of it, all of it. But I think that it gives you an immense amount of satisfaction from doing it. And, and you learn a lot when you put it together. I have a video of building his DX Commander Expedition, which is the portable option. It has less bands. It's a little bit more lightweight. When you tried that for the first Fantastic. time, you were floored. Floored. I was blown away by the capabilities of that antenna. You were like, I understand why this antenna has a cult following. Yeah, I, 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 I am a, I am a skeptic by nature. I'm, I'm a skeptical man. I appreciate people have very high opinions of things, and I don't say they're wrong. But at the same time, it's hard for me to really appreciate their thoughts until I experience it. And until I tried that antenna, I did not appreciate how good it was. But it is it is a fantastic antenna, and I and I still to this day say it is the first antenna I've used that is that portable antenna where I didn't feel like I was using a compromised antenna, a a portable compromised antenna. It felt like a full sized base station antenna that I happen to be connecting QRP radios to, but that I could have put any radio on it and have just been killing it. I would have just put more power into it and it would have just done even better. Great. Nathan continues, you asked all the right questions, opening up the similar uh, similarities and differences between the US and UK for amateur radio licensing and operating. Very, very interesting, since it seems almost easier to get into some aspects of HF with the foundation license and get people over there on the air. Yes. Yes, indeed. Callum is such a personality and it explains it and explains it all excellently. Yes. I also want to give a shout out to KN6OHM, who is a fellow listener. I traded emails with him and I'm trying to help him get info on DMR, especially a Brandmeister talk group of shared interest. I'm also telling him about Echolink so he can contact people all over the world from a computer or smartphone by connecting to repeaters. Cool stuff. He once submitted a review that you read from iTunes recently. He just became a technician after Leia got her ticket. He will try to get general soon, I believe. He is the first actual fellow ham I have been able to impart my experience in working things out to. Great. Good Way work. Way to go, Nathan. Thanks for reaching out. That's awesome. I am hoping to take part in the New England QSO party this weekend, May 1st and 2nd. So if anyone is looking for those rare Vermont contacts oh, or any other New England states, turn on your radios this weekend. Oh, I love that. Have fact, some I fun. I want to add that to the uh, stream for... Thanks again for your time and efforts. We all know you are very busy, but take a minute every once in a while, smell the roses, think about the efforts of others. Someone... As somebody had to hoe that row. 73K1MAZ. <laughs> that's right. So that that's a perfect segue, Nathan. Thank you much so much for being the last email. And thank you so much, everybody who writes in. I know that it takes time for you to both listen and write in uh, questions and such kind words. And it really means a lot because it, you know, it keeps us fueled. It keeps us going on this well, podcast. Well, it keeps the podcast long. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun doing it, and we, we do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day of things yes. that you you don't have to be a part of this whole thing we're doing. 
And the fact you do do that, it, it does mean a lot. So thank you. Yes. And the expertise that uh, the emails, mm-hmm. the the email contributors corner or correspondence correspondence corner. Tower. tower. I'm so sorry. Tower. Email correspondence tower uh, provides is invaluable. So thank you for being a part of the conversation. Yeah. Great work. Thank you. All right, Leah. Alrighty, is it time? It's time. It's it's time to dive back in to the general license. Okay, we're not going to forget the question poll this time. We're is not, what you're saying? We're not okay, I am on question sixteen of thirty-five. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. it's been it's been a challenging road. It's, it's been a road to hoe. <laughs> yes, so I am very low on batteries oh. on my iPad. Oh. So what's going to happen here is we're going to get through as many questions as I can before it dies. Oh, interesting. Okay. The question reads, what causes a voltage to appear across the secondary winding of a transformer when an AC voltage source is connected across its primary winding? A, displacement current coupling. B, mutual inductance. C, capacitive coupling. D, mutual capacitance. Um, I'm going to go with a displacement current coupling. No, it's mutual inductance. Okay. Okay. Would you like to explain that at all? It's just vocabulary. Well, no, I mean, that's just what it's called. It's okay. It's when you apply. Which of the following might be useful in reducing RF interference to audio frequency devices? A forward base diode. B bypass inductor. C, bypass capacitor. D, reverse biased diode. I, what was the question again? Which of the following might be useful in reducing RF interference to audio frequency devices? Okay. I'm going to go with D, reverse biased diode. No, it's a bypass capacitor. I don't even know what that is or what it does. <laughs> I, I believe that is where you have a capacitor in line. That is, again, what does a capacitor do? It's, it soaks up power, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, you can think of it as like a short-term battery. I thought it was like an oven. Okay. I, I just... A wood-burning oven a that wood retains the ov- heat. That retains the heat. Is that okay. not what it is? Okay. So assume that it's it's soaking up some of that interference. Just think of it like that. If you had it in line with something that was creating the noise. The oven analogy is kind of like, it's fine, but how do you factor in the interference part of it? Okay. So, All right. What is one disadvantage of a directly fed random wire HF antenna? A- it only produces a vertically polarized radiation. B, it must be longer than one wavelength. C, it is more effective on the lower HF bands than on the higher bands. D, you may experience RF burns when touching metal objects in your station. D, you may experience RF burns yes. when touching metal objects in your station. You got it. I got one. You got it. Just from living my life with you. (laughs) You have never burnt yourself on any of the antennas. Right. No, I've just seen you burn yourself. (laughs) 
Not not in my home. Not in the home. No, no. Oh, it was the paper clips. Oh, the paper <laughs> yes. clips. Okay. That is a proper random antenna. That is a proper random wire. <laughs> Again, this question is kind of a an odd one because it's talking about a situation that doesn't really happen as much today. There's not a lot of just random wire antennas we throw out without having some kind of um, transmatch or tuner behind it. Like there's usually something else that goes into it that helps it be a match to the radio. And if it's a match to the radio, you're probably not going to get RF burns. Well, that's what I was telling you is the issue with your hot dog experiment. Okay. You were using things that were made to compensate for not compensate, Mm -hmm. but would deal with a certain amount of mismatch. Yeah, but then then we did the the second part of that video where I took the tuner out of the path and I had an antenna that was totally resonant on 10 meters. And I also did it with 20 meters. But don't you not want it to be resonant? Yes, we do because we're testing to see if the RF itself will cook the hot dog. Okay, fair enough. We want, we want to see if the antenna... Rating that RF is enough to do something. Cook would be the best case. All right. Make a burn something. Like, you know, anything <laughs> okay. would be the, the goal. All right. The next question reads, which of the following must be connected to an antenna analyzer when it is being used for SWR measurements? A, all these choices are correct. B, receiver, C, antenna and feed line, D, transmitter. I'm inclined to choose A because it says all these choices are correct, but I think it might just be the antenna and feed line. But your face is just... I'm not giving you any face. I know. It is antenna and feed line. Is that what you picked? Mm -hmm. Good for you. Yes, thank you. That's right. It's an antenna analyzer. Yes. It's put in line. Well, it's it's basically replacing your radio. It's there at the end of the feed line in the antenna. Gotcha. The next question reads, which of the following causes opposition to the flow of alternating current in an inductor? A, reluctance. <laughs> it's very reluctant. B, admittance. <laughs> oh, you're not laughing. Okay. C, reactance, or D, conductance? Two of those choices are real words. Is it B, admittance, or D, conductance? I don't want to give you any hints, Um, but you're... you're, D, conductance? No. Oh, it's reactance? It's reactance, yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Should... I have been told to not use the Lord's name in vain. I apologize. <laughs> okay, last question. Well, the, the iPad's not dead. Yeah, but I'm at five. This you said five. you're going to go until it dies. No. Indeed, no. Indeed, what no. effect does a sudden ionospheric disturbance have on daytime ionospheric propagation of HF radio waves? A, it disrupts signals on lower frequencies more than those on higher frequencies. 
B, it enhances propagation on all HF frequencies. C, it disrupts communications via satellite more than direct communications. D, none, because only areas on the night side of the Earth are affected. I'm going to go with B, it enhances propagation on all HF frequencies. No, it's A, it disrupts signals on lower frequencies more than those on higher frequencies. So the sun burped out some some hot RF, some hot radiation, well, not RF, but hot radiation. And it's going to cause noise and static to come up. Okay. On lower frequencies. I mean, it can, it can go high. It can go higher. It can affect all the bands, but it's going to affect the lower ones more. All right. Yeah, what was that? One for four? Two for four? Was two. two for five? Two, two for five. For five or six? I just want to point out that when you first started doing these mm-hmm. with the technician, you missed most of them, too. Okay. You, you so know. encouraging. Thank you. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, it's not, like, it is the next level up. It's not. Yes. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Fair enough. I didn't say that. Okay. Okay. I mean, you know, the HRCC method of going technician in general all in one shot made it sound like it would be easy but that's fine no, i mean that's the way to do it because you get access to hf i mean if you go back to the talk i did with callum right their foundation license get ac- gets access to hf that's crazy we don't have that if you want to get access to hf which you know arguably i think you should that's the full the full monty of of radio if you will the full monty, the full monty of radio. <laughs> uh, you, you definitely want to get into hf and that means that that means you must go after your general license so yeah all right so leah thank you for being a good sport continuing to sure to struggle through i'll get there all i'm, get, the I'm gonna get my general I okay will. good I, will. I i like that i like that confidence yeah. i'm just waiting you know yeah sure we're not in a rush no i'm i'm waiting for something <laughs> what are you waiting for another package from <laughs> i'm just kidding I'm kidding. Okay. So Gordo, good work. you did not need to send me a package <laughs> for me to get my check. Did he send you another package? No. Oh, okay. So let me mention first and foremost, uh, I just want to remind everybody, I mentioned this on the last live stream. I will be going to Huntsville. I will be- Huntsville. St- Huntsville. I always, I do that. And I got corrected so many times with the people I worked with that, that work in Huntsville. It's not Huntsville. It's Huntsville. It's Huntsville. So I'll be going to Huntsville. It wouldn't even be Huntsville. It would be Huntsville oh, if you were saying it correctly. <laughs> okay. If you're enunciating. Yeah. But okay. it's Huntsville. So Huntsville. We'll be out there. Well, I'll be out there. There are all, <laughs> pretty much all of the YouTubers that you follow will be going out to Huntsville. I'm actually staying in the hotel for the convention center. And I will probably have some other folks with me. And I know that there is all kinds of stuff planned. There is actually a nightlife to this to this event. That was a curiosity that people had. They have some kind of uh, hotel thing going on, a party going on in the hotel. Oh, oh, I thought you meant strippers. I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> no, nothing like that. 
So I, I will be there for um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for the show. The show is a proper just... <laughs> what happens if a bunch of hams go to a strip club? They just try to figure out whether or not the stripper pole could work as an antenna. I was just going to make that joke. <laughs> Will like, it antenna? <laughs> I was just going to make that joke. She's dancing around. She's not letting me get my signal out. She keeps trying to dance on the pole. Excuse me, miss. I will pay you to get off the stage Here's for $50 access to the pole. <laughs> get lost. <laughs> See if I can do an FTA contact. Okay, just shush, shush, shush. Yeah, so I'll be going to Huntsville. It's going to be a lot of fun. I I know that people have been waiting for Hamfest to come back, and this is the this is the first one that's. I think it's going to happen. I'm fully booked. I've got airfare and room and all that stuff. So I'll be out there. Make sure you come say hi if you if you decide to go. It's going to be great. YouTubers Hamfest is going to be the end of May. This month, May, wow. we're having the YouTubers Hamfest. It's it's now. I we did like, this last year. I it's feel crazy. like you've been planning this for a long time, though. There's been a lot of planning, and we have more people than ever. So many people uh, got involved with the YouTubers group on um, on the Discord, and it's been super super cool. Just so many so many interesting new channels, all coming at things kind of from a different angle. When does it start? Great question. If you go to YouTube Hamfest or YouTubersHamfest.com, the details will be there. But I believe it is Memorial Day weekend, as wow. it was last year. Okay. It starts on Friday and goes full day Saturday and most of Sunday. We're we're growing more than we were last year. Last year it was just um, and a, a little bit of a, a time. It was Jason's uh, happy hour on Friday. And then Saturday was a full day, and then Sunday was a half day. This time, we're going deep into Friday. I believe I'm going to stream Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. What? I have that many segments. Wow. I've got that many things that I guess that I'm bringing on to talk. So it's it's going to be... So you're not smoking anything? No, that's wow. Frank. Frank is the official pit master of the YouTube Hamfest. So he's going to be doing live stream. His live stream will be showing the progress of food that he's cooking. I don't know if this is spoilers. I, I probably shouldn't say anything. But, but l- let Frank me is a, a master you pit will master. not be smoking anything for our family to eat on Memorial Day weekend? Is Oh, I can't. Yeah, for us, sure. Yeah, I, can, <laughs> I don't have a problem setting that up. The streaming is only going to take, you know, a couple hours to get everything set up and run. So I'll be doing that. But today, for today's episode, thanks everybody for hanging on. I don't know if there's a, uh, a shortcut goes directly to here but here's the topic for today my first dipole i actually wanted to walk through what i built hammy's first dipole hammy's first dipole (laughs) uh the first dipole that i put together leah do you remember this by by chance this this dipole antenna that i had on the side of the house like right here wasn't it the wires were so low i was it was actually impeding my ability to go through that area. No, it's even before that, way before that. The wires ran along the the fence line. Was it the antenna that was really hideous on the side of the house because it looked so janky? That was that side. Oh, this man. side was the painter's <laughs> pole where I would shimmy the painter's pole up. And oh, then and I would, you had all the clamps on the wall? Yes, I had all the clamps. Like I had the clamps up there and Ugh. the clamps down there. You remember that? Yeah, none of it was great. So my first dipole, right, this is just to give people an idea. And and this is nowhere like the best way to do any of this. 
I literally sourced, I think, almost 100% of this entire thing from Home Depot. The only thing that I had to pick up, now I think I got it off of Amazon. I, you can get it at Ham Radio Outlet or wherever you want to go. I picked up a female SO239 four-hole panel chassis mount. Okay. That is a UHF connector that has a center pin on the other side and a flat square flange that you can like socket up to things. And so a dipole is two legs that are one side. It's a quarter wave. So I built this thing for 20 meters. I didn't have much more space to put up anything more than 20 meters. So I had roughly 14 feet of wire on each side of this antenna and I, I just took Home Depot wire, I think it was stranded wire, had it connected to this uh, PVC pipe. I got one inch PVC pipe with two end caps and I put a hole on the side of it that was roughly the same diameter as this panel mount and I, I shoved the panel mount from the inside of the cap through and then twisted the coax on and that was just how I tightened it all down. I used solder to connect the center pin to one of the legs of the antenna, and then I used the other uh, to connect to, wrapped it around one of the little flange holes a couple of times and hit it with some solder. That was it. That was pretty much it. And then I took the whole PVC pipe assembly and kind of shoved it all together. I didn't even use cement or anything like that. I used an eye bolt on the top. And I, I mentioned it before, I use Gear Snake for a lot of stuff, just cheap Walmart Gear Snake. Took Gear Snake, took it through the hole on the end of the painter's pole, fed it through. I, I think I might have actually popped a hole on the threads where the, uh, where the painter's uh, roller would go. Just popped a hole in there with, you know, a hot, a hot needle or just a drill or something like that, and fed the Gear Snake through and just held up the center connector. And I would, when I wanted to operate, I would take this painter pole out and, you know, slide it up. And I had plastic dog bone insulators on the ends of the the legs of the dipole. And then I had paracord going to um, uh, grip vice, clamp vice, right? One of those like squeezy clamp vice things. And that's all I did. I just literally put up a ton of antennas just with using those clamp vices, those quick grips or something like that. I think that's what they're called. I think they're called quick, quick grips. And I would just feed, I would feed the paracord over the metal bar and just kind of pull it taut when the mass was up and just squeeze clamp it until it was good. And I actually used another quick clamp between the cinder block wall and the mast to hold that in place. And that was how I got started on HF. That was How did literally that work out for you. Uh not great. It was it was better than nothing. You know, it was it was a solution to a problem. I needed an antenna and I spent most of the time operating on weekends when I was home. Uh 20 meters is an okay daytime band. So I took advantage of that. That was back in um, the early 2010s, I guess, is when I put this together. I think. I'm not really sure when I put it all together. But that allowed me to do PSK31 because that was kind of the digital mode of prominence back then. So I was out there. I made, you know, I made scant contacts in comparison to what I what I do nowadays. But it was kind of like my starting point. And I, I think 
everybody should do that. You know, if you're if you're curious of what you should do, you're talking about I don't know, 50 bucks at Home Depot for most of the parts. The only thing you need that might be semi-specific is this UHF panel mount, but I would argue there's a couple of different ways you can go. You can figure something out that that will work just fine. So that's that's what I did. I just built this thing out of spare parts largely or you know, stuff you can buy off a of Home Depot off the shelf. I think I had the painter's pole. I think it was maybe a 15-foot painter's pole kind of thing at the most. I think that was at the the absolute highest point. And it it worked it worked fine to to get started out there to hear signals, to get used to what radio is, to get used to single sideband, upper sideband, how that all works go down a little bit, listen to, to Morse code. You know, I, I had, that was too daunting for me at that point that I, that I could ever think that, Oh, one day I'll learn Morse code. I wanted to, but I wasn't there at that point. So yeah, that was, that was my, and then what made you upgrade? Uh, it was, I think it was learning about summits on the air. This, this kind of all coincided at the same time. When I started learning about summits on the air, I built the dipole because I wanted something at home that I could get used to using the radio because I felt that I needed something at home so that I could set it up quickly, get on the air, or at least be able to listen. And so that that's why I got started uh, with, with that approach. But then when I was doing soda, I got into using a nine to one unun and as everybody knows probably listening to this a nine to one unun generally requires a tuner i was using a lnr ld5 radio i had (laughs) i had lots of problems with that radio when i got started because i really wanted to do digital modes and getting to the point that i was capable of having cat control interface and then audio in and out that was actually when i first discovered the sabrent audio uh, interface that was about the time where I, I discovered what a usb sound card was that led me to getting outdoors getting portable again i tell people all the time hey don't don't do qrp when you start on hf and that's exactly what i did i started with qrp you talk about how frustrating that was for it was you. it was very frustrating it was very frustrating i had to i had to i had to surmount many obstacles and if i'm not saying people won't do that but i can imagine how if they're not super invested in the hobby that they might just get really frustrated by it I dealt with all kinds of frustrations getting that station up and running. I eventually did, and I was um, super happy by it. Eventually, though, I think I upgraded. No, you know what happened was I got really into APRS at that point. So I kind of let things go on the wayside with the HF. I occasionally would use it. I did a couple of uh, soda things, portable things with it. But then I kind of just let it ride for a while. And I got into the D74, which was the Kenwood D74, for doing APRS. And that's what got me started with, like, interest in satellites and APRS. And then about a couple of years after that, I think that's when the IC7300 came out. 
And that's when I heard and learned about de-expeditions. From that point, um, that's when I was like, okay, well, we're going, we're going 100 watts now. And that's kind of what started the whole thing, really. This has been a real journey for you. It's been a, you know, it's happened fast, though. It's started slow, built up, learned <laughs> challenges, a lot of challenges, but learned a lot and just uh, kept moving forward. So, yeah. What are you looking at, Leah? What's going on over there? Nothing. Okay. Well, that's going to be the podcast. We thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, thank you all for listening to the podcast. We have a lot of fun making it, and the fact you listen and send us feedback really does mean a lot to us. It gives us one more reason to drag the microphones out onto the kitchen table, the dining room table, and make this all happen. Leigh, do you have any parting words or anything you need to mention? I do not. That's it? That's it. You're done. Okay. Well, with uh, with that said, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for the emails, the comments, the reviews. And until we talk to you again, 73. 73.